Hey everyone, welcome to The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Dash Thorpe, and this episode we have one of my favorite people back on the show with us to discuss what he's been up to since the past three years, since our last episode. Ladies and gentlemen, we have director, writer, cinematographer, CGI artist, and amazing musician, Anthony Scott Burns, also known as Pilot Priest, back on the show with us. This episode is filled with really great lessons and advice that Anthony's been learning over the past few years. From his development of directing his first feature film, Our House, which is due to hit theaters very soon, to his current endeavor, Come True, which is a film that Anthony's written, directed, and shot and is now in post-production on. In this episode, we discuss the importance of trusting your personal process, following your own path, reveling in your identity as a creative, and being cautious of seeking acceptance or admiration from social media, but finding it from those close family and friends who love and support you, especially during those insecure times of creating your true work. Anthony, as you all know, is a very special creative that I admire deeply. His passion for his craft is hard to match and his relentless nature to get his vision out is extremely admirable. So let's begin everybody. Episode 184 with Anthony Scott Burns. Let's roll. Okay, so it's been since May 2015 was when we did episode 100, and then you were obviously guest number one, but it's been a long time. It's been three years. Yes. There's been a lot of things that you've been up to since then. Um, I can't even remember any of them because it's been such a blur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been like just just beasting hard since then. I remember, I think episode 100 was talking about your, you know, your, you chasing your dreams in LA and getting, you know, things going out there, which you should probably fill us all in is how that went. And then kind of just your adventures. We have a lot of things to cover. And one thing I want to make sure we try to discuss in this episode is we've never talked about your music yet which is like a huge part of your creative outlet <laughs> it's like there's so much to talk about and that always seems to be like something we forget somehow which is crazy because your music's amazing and it's a, such a big part of who you are so we'll make sure we definitely try to talk about that but since the early episode three years ago can you remember where you were three years ago like what you were doing like, <laughs> I really can't, like, I think like three years ago, had we already met up in Los Angeles? Remember um, that you came out and we spent the day and I was working on the script for our house. Yeah, I think so. I think that was around that time. About three years ago seems about right. You were, you were renting that place out there. I think that's about right. So yeah, let's maybe like let's talk about the film, our house and like where that went and, and kind of just your whole take on the Hollywood system and kind of what you got from it. Cause I know there was a lot of lessons learned, good, good ones and challenging ones too. Right. Um, yeah, it's so hard to dive into that because obviously as some people know that we've sort of jointly tried to, you know, endeavor into making Hollywood movies. Um, and you know, the climate is so much different than when we were children wanting to be filmmakers that it's, it's, it's really hard to navigate. And like with, you know, people know that we've, we've been trying to make Lost Boy into a feature and it's been 
very challenging <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to say tumult- the tumultuous. And, and that's that's really what I can say is that that to be a filmmaker in in this day and age, um, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, obviously, but my experience has been that it's 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 very hard and challenging to convince people now to take a big risk on something that has no track record. And that's why we see so many sequels and reboots because it's about track record. And at the end of the day, I really realized that, that it's, it's a business. Yeah, it's, it's a business. business. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, we get lost in the glossy eyes of being fans of these things, but it, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, this dream vision of, of what we're trying to do. And obviously that's the thing for me, it's, it's a way to tell stories. And I always say the same thing whenever people interview me or I talk about it is that, for me, art is a way to communicate with people. And so if I'm not communicating, it's like I'm being, uh, you know, bound and gagged. So I need to do it. Yeah. Um, but it's really hard to convince people, uh, you know, in the movie business to let you speak. Yeah. Um, let you speak clearly because unless so the American movie industry actually too as well. I don't, we, I don't know because there's industries yeah, exactly. all over. I haven't, I haven't experienced any other industry or, 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 or group of people other than the North American film industry. I mean, maybe it's much different, uh, in Europe and in Asia, et cetera. But for me, it's been, it's been, it's been tough to, and, and a lot of friends I know as well. I mean, I know a lot of filmmakers who went down to LA and spent decades there trying to develop things. And I learned from them very quickly, you know, don't do that. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't bet on this one thing for your, for 10 years of your life and then have it go down the drain. Yeah. Uh, we story all the time. I mean, we've seen documentaries about filmmakers who do that. And so, yeah, uh, it's like that one person that makes it work that like it, it justifies. You're like, okay, maybe I'm going well, be, <laughs> it's like this no, weird mental, um, con- calamity that happens. I think, <laughs> When I was down there, I, you know, I heard one story um, about Ridley Scott mm. and it blew my mind because this is a guy who, who, you know, has made some of the most, you know, beautiful films we've ever seen. And he still has to prove to people oh, yeah. Yeah. to this day, you know, that they should invest and be a part of his movies. Yeah. <laughs> so if he so, has to, then like, so what he the has hell? To imagine what, you know, <laughs> go blow nobody, me going down there has to do in order to convince people to make movies. So it, it really is tough and it really is a business. And, um, so I spent a number of years trying to develop a bunch of projects and ultimately I, I got two that sort of became, you know, economically finance, financeable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean the way that I think what you're talking about is the way that you're able to beat that system is by being incredibly resourceful because you come from the school of like, just get it done and almost completely solo. You're one of the very few creatives that I know that can do so many different things. I mean, but it's out of it's as you know it's out of necessity it's, yes. it's not well you can't afford it you can't afford yeah, exactly. to hire all these people and stuff yeah. and it's not like you don't want to i think you wouldn't no, mind working with top talent or people i would love people. to work with you know people who can deliver the vision that's in our heads you know um, yeah. Yeah. that's the reality is we see a movie and it's like we want it to be as good as you know david fincher and so but to afford those craftsmen you need millions of dollars yeah. and we don't oftentimes we don't have millions of dollars i mean people ask me all the time i get emails 
you know, how do you, how do you get a job at MTV or how did you do those MTV things early in the days? And I'll, I'll tell you, honestly, that wasn't even my job. <laughs> when I worked at MTV, I was just a graphic designer. So I was in charge of like lower thirds and bumpers for promos. That's hot. And all those idents that I did, I did on my own time because I was so excited to do art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the budgets for those things, and people don't even know this, you know, the budgets for those early MTV things were pretty much nothing, you know, like you didn't have any money to work on that stuff. So you had to learn how to do it all yourself. Yeah. And, you know, it's a blessing though, I think, right. Isn't that, I think it's a blessing. I think it's a blessing. It is a blessing. And I love those days and we had a lot of fun at MTV, but you know, people think that you go in there and you get a job and they're like, you do something cool and now we're going to pay you to do it. It's like, that's not in, in most regards. And I'm sure you can back me up here is that in order to do art you're proud of you're obviously you're probably not going to make a lot of a lot of money from it it almost always is like that and i think there's this weird thing i I, it's it's a thought that it racks my mind almost every day i think about it because i'm trying to solve it right i think that's what makes this so interesting to people like us or whoever's listening that's into this stuff is it's the ultimate puzzle it really is because you're like hold on, somebody did it, but then not everybody can. And then this person did it, but then it's not about that. And then people say it's about money, but it's really not. And then you go off and create something, but you're happy, but you're not. And you're like, you know, it's like, there's, it's such a, an odd roller coaster of emotions, but yeah, it's for the most part, I think money doesn't really mean anything to be honest. I think, I think we, I mean, I'll let you answer this. What makes it, what makes it for you? I, I know what it is, but like, at the end of the day, what actually makes that's, sense? That's actually, that can be your biggest power as an artist, actually, if money doesn't matter to you. If you just, for me and, yeah, and, and yourself true. included, I know, you know, growing up with very little resources, not having a lot of money around the house. It's um, a blessing. It, it is a blessing when you know that the baseline of life where you can't even, you can barely afford a cup of coffee is is empowering because you know that you'll you can still... In, enjoy your day at that baseline level as long as you have people you love and who love you and and that's a power as an artist where you go you know if all i need is to survive and i need the people around me to be okay as well and anything on top of that is gravy so yeah that's 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 where your head should be at when you're when you're entering in well Listen, everyone has their own way of doing this, but that's where my head is at when I'm doing this stuff. And it's actually been a great power in in dealing with the business of Hollywood because they've asked me to do a number of projects. It's actually really funny now when I go on to, you know, streaming devices and things like that and I see all these movies I've said no to <laughs> and, and yeah. because I, di- I didn't respond to the scripts. Um, and they get made anyways and they get made by other filmmakers, but sure. it's... Naturally. I, I was a very frustrating client, I think, for uh, when you were being represented in, in L.A., right? Yeah, so like, so, so I, people I, that don't know how this system works, could you explain it kind of? Because it was something that I was learning for you, too. And I, I've been le- learning and living vicariously through you and your lessons. <laughs> Side gun, I'm not doing that. Oh, I'm not doing that one. <laughs> but like, how does it work? So you went off, you made Manifold, I think. Yeah, man, got some traction that got, that got me the attention. And of, why did it get you attention? Because well, I think, and and this is sort of the the missing piece of the puzzle is it got me attention not because it had visual effects and not because it was shot well, but because there was a story. Yeah. And 
and because there were actors that were being directed. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a so huge deal. When, so when you're making a short that you want people to you know identify with, we've gotten to this point now where almost anybody who's into filmmaking or into you know working, <laughs> it's not like a a character from a Tim and Eric sketch. When, when you're into the computers. <laughs> <laughs> when you're into that 3D, 3D, that new yeah, Tane. 3D, 4D, 3D in computers. And you're loading new uh, Tane every day. Yeah. You 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 can pretty much, most, most people who are into filmmaking now, you know, they're into visual effects and they're into compositing and they're into doing some baseline 3D. And so yeah. beautiful images and visual effects aren't a commodity anymore. Yeah. You know, they used to be the best. It used to be the thing that if they saw, Oh my God, he can do visual effects, hire him. Yeah. Give him a movie. Look back 10 years ago, there were shorts being made by people who, who probably displayed very little storytelling ability. Oh yeah. Because they had visual effects in their, in their reels. It was like, Oh my God, this guy can do this on his own. Give him a job. And that never really made any sense to me because once you hire him, he's going to be working with a VFX team anyways. So that that skill he had <laughs> or she had, um, anyone who's working in film uh, who knows how to do VFX isn't going to be doing those jobs. So yeah. you're hiring them to direct. You're hiring those people to direct um, actors and to tell a story. And yeah. that's what that's yeah. what they that's what they're looking for. And that's what they need is people who have a vision in that regard. It's a whole different craft too. It's like yes, a, and so while some people might look at Manifold and be like, "Ah, it's kind of garbage," <laughs> and the VFX are pretty bad or whatever, there's no explosions or whatever. Sure. Um, what what the people down there saw was that there was a storytelling um, style, and there was uh, the ability to direct actors, and I think that's that was the shift. Good actors too. I mean, that cop was. Oh yeah, Stephen McCandy's he's he's next level he's on that next level yeah exactly he was so great to work with and he i had been wanting to work with him forever and a director friend of mine suggested to him that he should do the short which i'm very thankful for yeah i wouldn't have got him otherwise um and like i said i had been wanting to work with him for a number of years because he was always a standout in in movies that i'd seen including beverly hills cop (laughs) three yeah he just has a really i mean like we can talk about actors a little later too i'm sure but like some some actors just have that gravitas they have that thing that drags you in that when they translate to film they still have that energy if not bigger it's weird i don't know if you know how to figure out like how to hit even like that off off camera as well he's somebody who just he's he's been through the business and in so many movies that he just has this power to him He's like, you freaking kids. He's, no, he's a great energy on set because he brings everybody up to his level. Oh, All the other actors who are working with him, it's like you're either there or you're out. And if you're out, you're not going to feel good about your day. <laughs> that's awesome. I heard no, that, I hear that about um, like from directors on like commentaries. They'll say certain things about certain actors that just do that for them. They bring everybody up to speed basically and like expect uh, not like saying it like I heard like Paul um, Daniel Day Lewis, like when when other actors work with somebody of his caliber, like the caliber, like they yeah, have to bring it. You know, they have to bring exactly. that Daniel Day Lewis out of them <laughs> because well, he's doing to. it. Yeah, you have to. I mean, that's the case in I'm pretty much any profession. I would imagine. You know, if, yeah. if you're working alongside somebody who's a master, you're. You, 
if you can't, you're going to pick up that energy. Yeah. You're going to pick up that energy or you're going to fail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you don't want to fail. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you take your job seriously. And that's, I love that though. That's really cool. Oh, it's, yeah. It's such a joy to be on a set or in an environment where the people you're working with, you know, artistically are at the same level or, or better because they do bring the best out of you. You I mean, that's, 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 that's why I work with Ash Thorpe. Oh, shush. <laughs> no, but like, that's really, I think that's such a, a testament and that's really cool. I just wanted to make sure we didn't pass over that because I think manifold was actually a really good example of like the, the trans transplanting position that you had and what you did and how you designed it. But at the same time, kind of why I think it's important yeah. to explain like, the what, overall what it, yeah what about it made that one the one and, 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 and that, you were learning that too by the from what i remember you weren't aware of that necessarily at that time i think you were con- cognitive of it but i don't think you were aware that that was going to be the thing that was going to push it over the well, edge you know, you know? it was actually a, a friend who said you know if for your next short you have to show that you can tell a story yeah. uh clearly you know, or, yeah. or at least you understand the, you know, cinema enough to, to create a vibe and a feeling, you know? Yeah. And so that's what we did. That that's was the whole goal. That's the advice you give me often. Um, and it's great advice because it is true films and making films. It, it's the art of storytelling, you know, it's not, yeah. the, it's like, I mean, to a point, I mean, we, we can go on about it, but like, you know, like the Marvel movies or even like the, the, the horrible star Wars, whatever they're doing now with star Wars, it's like, it's just some weird thing. Like it's some like jerk off nostalgia bullshit. Like, I'm sorry for people that liked it. I hate it and I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe someday I'll love it. I don't know. I probably not. I've always struggled with stories that don't link back to humanity. Yeah. Um, that's always been my struggle personally with, with any story. Um, how does it link back to the human experience? Um, which I call the the sort of like, how, how does that affect me? What, why the fuck should I care? Yeah. (laughs) Why, why does someone sit there and watch this and, and care about the characters? Um, I've always struggled with stuff that, that gets what I would call too many degrees into nonsense where the nonsense realities of the world that they're creating become more of a focus than the actual people and things that are existing in it. Um, yeah. You should be able to understand that and you should be able, be able to link what's happening because that's why the story is being told is so that we can connect as people together. Otherwise, I mean, what is it? We're just dis- distancing ourselves or imagining another future where where, you know, I don't know, we're all orcs or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And like, to some part, some, some degrees, some of that stuff is very necessary escapism and I get it. Like, and it's fun to just have like a popcorn film. I can't do that anymore. Cause I I'm, can't I, yeah, I can't but I have that. friends that are totally, they can totally just like un, unplug, go into it and be like, live in the fantasy Disney star Wars world and be super pumped, you know? And I'm like, I'm kind of jealous of that, to be honest, because that's like a superpower almost because I can't even like comprehend how you do that. (laughs) Well, I can say that you went and you enjoyed Incredibles too. Yeah, it was fun. Like it wasn't, I don't think it was um, like the first one is obviously just on its own level. So I was, I was trying my best not to compare it, but it was, it was a, it was an enjoyable thing. Like, and I love that. And I think that's what movies should be. They should be an escape. So you, you can still escape. 
It's just a, what the escape is and how the level can, has to be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. the thing. And your tastes change as you get older too. So, I yeah, mean, of course, you know, it's unrealistic for me to expect the, yes. <laughs> and I think that's part of the, the sort of backlash of a lot of modern movies is, is that people are expecting it to give them the same feeling they had when they were five years old. And that's no, impossible. impossible. Cause when you're five, everything's new. Yeah. And things. like, and your life is different from as an adult yes. because the way you perceive reality is completely shifted. Yeah, yeah. So how do you expect it? And, you know, I liken it to, you know, we talked about this, uh, it's like drug, drug dealers and, and drugs. And, and it's, it's, you're asking for heroin and they're delivering something very different, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and your body need, is, is wanting that drug so badly that you'll, 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 try and pretend that it's still giving you that feeling but it won't yeah Uh, it's true that's a good analogy it's actually really quite accurate i think because it's it's really what i think it comes down to um is it's just a weird odd delivery of it and it and it's like this i think my friend justin called it said perfectly the moment you said that word i was like that's exactly what it is it's a nostalgia jerk you know it's like just trying to jerk off that, like that itch. And it's like, yeah, you wanted heroin, but they gave you like jello or something. You're like, what? Yes. <laughs> and jello is great. Jello is great. Yeah. Um, but you weren't expecting it. Yeah. 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 It's like, okay. And, and it's I not think, injected into your veins. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's like you eat it and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> Last time I did this, it was in my veins. Yeah. We should. <laughs> It's, yeah, the analogy is so bad. Hey, but. by the way, neither of us do that, but we're <laughs> using analogies here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, there's there's a it, it's it's a weird thing. It's a really weird thing, and it's 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 this weird phase. I think I think a lot of it comes down to just being so closely tied to it. And I'm again, you're way more, you're way further along. I mean, you were represented. I guess you probably can't personalize. I don't know if you are still. Um, uh, no. No, so so I can I can say that okay. I was I was represented by William Morris Endeavor, and, and that's, that's a great company too. Like yes, great, yes. Top, great smart people. Yeah, but but you know this is this is the thing that again that goes back to it's a business, and if you have a filmmaker like me, who has very strong opinions, it's it's kind of hard to sell that guy. Yeah, um, if you're going into a room and this guy keeps saying. And this guy being me, <laughs> and I, you know, I, I don't really like that script or I don't really, you know, I'm, I'm very picky and, and, uh, it, it's just hard to sell that kind of a person, someone who goes in the room and is excited about every sort of story. And that's yeah. the guy, we know that, people like that. They were, yeah, who, who are making that, movies constantly. That's the guy who makes money for people, yeah. not this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I can make money for people in different ways. But it has different to amounts be, too. <laughs> yeah, different amounts. And yeah. it, you know, it's it. There are all different kinds of storytellers, and I'm the kind of storyteller that wants to make, I guess, a little off kilter films. Yeah, and those those can make a lot of money, but you need the team that supports you, and you need the team that understands that the, that, that movie can make money, and that takes the right, just the exact right people. And if you don't have tons of people, trust. Tons of yes. trust. Tons yeah. of trust too. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. Everyone needs to understand that this is, these are millions trust of business. other people's dollars, millions of other people's dollars. Yeah. And so everyone involved has to know exactly what they're getting. And on my quote, first movie, we can sort of segue into that. Yeah. So we're talking about our house, right? So like just yeah. to kind of maybe paint a, a clear picture too. Um, and sorry for interrupting, but we'll get back to that. I'm sure. But so you, made manifold manifold got the attention 
Yep. And then you got represented. I think we talk about this in episode 100. Yes. But it's been and three I'm still, years. I'm, so. still, I'm still managed. My okay. managers, I'm still managed at anonymous content. Okay. Um, awesome. And they've stood by me, okay. even though I am a pain in the butt. Um, <laughs> well, I, I think, I think that they're aware that you're an auteur rather than a gun for hire kind of, you know, and I think by being aware of that, I think it, it empowers them to understand who you are and then to find the right project. And, I think from from what I've seen from the sidelines is you're a guy that doesn't go super fast. You're not the you're not the the rabbit in the race. You're the turtle. You're gonna win, but it's a slower bet. You know, like yes. there's, there's there's a slower game. Like you're doing it for your life. You're not doing this for like likes on Instagram or no. to be cool <laughs> or to get popularity contests. And you're not doing it because like it's you must do it because you you know like obviously you have to put food on the table and, and feed yourself and take care of your family but it's like you could do that with cgi and, and other things your other skill sets that you have yes. you know um and but I, it's that's how i sort of i stay afloat through you know whether it's still music or a cg or directing a commercial or whatever in between just to sort of make sure that the art that i am going to create is is pure yeah no exactly but you went off did that and then got represented and then um you had a slew of of scripts i remember um not hearing details obviously but just you would be reading tons of scripts and then you would none of them would really connect with you and then this script came along and let's go from there because that's kind of yeah. where it starts well, right yeah there was a project and there was a script and it's called our house and it was based on another uh fellow's film i'm matt osterman who made a film uh about uh a young man who makes a machine that can connect with uh, ghosts. <laughs> yeah. But the thing about the script that I, you know, immediately was interested in, um, well, one, it was written by the fellow who wrote Moon, uh, Nathan Parker, yeah. and I loved him. And so I was like, okay, great. I'm th that's the first reason I'm going to sit down and read this. And secondly, it was about, it had been um, described to me by one of the producers uh, that was on the project as, as, uh, ordinary people with ghosts. Yeah, um, which is I don't a great know premise. Um, yeah, and, and so what that meant is this is a movie about the characters, and more importantly, it's a movie about grief, and it was about young people dealing with the death of their parents. And since my mother had passed away when I was eight years old, mm -hmm. obviously there's a, there's a great connection there, and I understand what it's like to go through that. And so um, I signed on pretty early after reading the script because it had such a great hook and, and it was it was in the realm this was way 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 before stranger things and it was in that realm of it could be nostalgic but it, it wouldn't be i wouldn't tread the same ground i'd be going for the same emotional feelings and benchmarks that i felt when i was younger yeah from those movies that i loved and so that was that was immediately what drew me to the project was we're going to make this movie that gives people that same sort of hopeful and, and, uh, positive feeling that those Amblin films gave us as kids. So it wouldn't be a retread. We would just re, we would do that. We would just make great movies about young people in situations and, and, and make it true to that scenario. And, uh, so that's what I decided to do. And so that took about probably three years to get off the ground because, you know, again, I'm a first timer. I'm in Hollywood. I'm trying to tell people to give us millions of dollars. 
And ultimately, it only came about because I'm a Canadian. Um, and, you know, business. We, business. business. Yeah. And <laughs> because I'm Canadian, we actually have a great support system for Canadian filmmakers up here. And uh, the people in Canada here came on board and, and, and made it happen. And so we shot that film, you know, but to sort of go back is, is at you the also did a lot of rewrites and stuff of the script and all that stuff, right? Yes. And invested yes. tons of your own money and time traveling well, to LA and that, stuff. Is that I spent a lot of my own money and time traveling back and forth between LA to try and convince people and, and did numerous rewrites, numerous unpaid rewrites <laughs> and, and, yeah. uh, Lots of work. and, and, and tons and tons of work to, to make, make it into something that someone would say yes to. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, I never knew if this was going to get off the ground. So, you know, you're, you're meeting and, and trying to get all these other films off the ground because you, know, you want to be a filmmaker and make money and survive, et cetera, et cetera. And so at the same time I was developing something else called come true. Um, and, uh, come true is your own thing too. Yes. Yeah. And that's a screenplay, an idea that I, so it's an idea that I, spitballed with a friend and then I decided to write the screenplay. Um, and so I wrote that screenplay while we were still trying to sell and, and, and these, all, all these other projects that I was working on. And eventually I convinced somebody to do come true and we were ready to go and we were going to do it. And then all of a sudden, uh, the producers in LA and the people here in Canada decided they were going to do our house. And so it was, Oh shoot. Uh, we're gonna, yeah, so so we switched it, and and so Come True was going to be my first film, and then all of a sudden Our House was my first film, and it sort of got up and running and going very quickly. And what I'll say about that is that when I was pitching in Hollywood, uh, I made you know mood videos and I made presentations, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, all to sort of tell everyone what it is I'm making and what it why I think it'll work. Um, you know, a movie where we focus more on the characters and less on the jump scares yeah. and, and just, you know, listen, I like horror movies. I love horror movies. Um, and Good they're ones. all, yeah, but there are all types of, of horror movies. And so yeah. I can't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shit on jump scares and all the rest of that stuff as people do because there are all types of horror movies. Yeah. But the fact is, is that this was not supposed to be one of those. Yeah. And, but they were you know, expecting it. Yeah. Well, no, I think, you know, so we went off and we had a great time shooting our house and I had a great cast. I, I convinced Thomas Mann from uh, Me, Earl and the Dying Girl and Skull Island to come on board as our lead. And he's a wonderful actor. And we had, uh, we spent, you know, you also had Nick. Our, yes. yeah, we, yeah, <laughs> Nick, Nick, my, 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 my right hand man who yeah. makes that my, I can actually make movies. Okay, give a um, shout out to Nick because Nick is amazing. So Nick uh, and <laughs> shout out to Howard as well. Yes, uh, Howard. Yes, Howard and Nick, who are my right hand men, who I I could not make movies without them, and they've supported almost all of our visions by working for free and working endless hours, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> um, but uh, where were we? Uh, uh, talking about actors. Talking about actors. Yes, yeah, I had a Mann. great. Cast. We, well, I was saying we spent almost all the time. In pre-production, you know, finding the right people to play the characters. So mm -hmm. it was all about the characters and all about making the story, you know, real. Um, and this is a great example, you know, of, of 
the business part is that I think, and this is only my conjecture because we had a great time filming and the producers had, you know, a lovely time with us on set and everyone involved had a great time. And then we got into the edit and it quickly became evident that what I shot and what I was making wasn't what the financiers, uh, I think thought the movie was going to be. And I didn't know this, excuse me. And, uh, yeah, it was, it just sort of went south from there and it, it was, it was a harrowing experience because it made me really doubt my abilities as a filmmaker because everyone was telling me what I made was crazy. Yeah. I remember (laughs) it was a very challenging and dark time, dark time for you personally. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I was having to tell you all, he's like, dude, no, no, you're, you're on the right stuff. Don't don't trip, you know, like it, well, you, you need those, you need friends that in your corner absolutely. at those times. Cause you're just like, dude, what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. Like, did I make bonkers, crazy stuff? Like, <laughs> am I that out to lunch? Because listen, you know, when you're living it and you're pushing it and this is your expression, you don't know. And yeah. again, I'll say this was all pre stranger things. Yeah. And so we had a soundtrack in there that was by electric youth and they were working on it in tandem with us. Those are your buddies too. Yeah. yeah. Another shout out to Austin and Bronwyn, amazing, amazing collaborators. Uh, and you know, some of the comments coming to, uh, to us were, you know, like the music's two eighties and what is this weird stuff you're doing? Like <laughs> why is the neighbor's car so big and just stuff that you, like, so I love, production design, you know, and I had a great production designer on the film as well, Naz. And the stuff that I would hand pick with her was really important to me and really important. I think, you know, these are the kinds of details that I think people love. I think, you know, people who love cinema, they love to see these little details and and the care put into the world, the movie. So not only do I love the characters, but I love, and that's the thing because we had done so many rewrites and spent so much time. I loved the characters and you know i loved this world uh you know and As you should yeah. and so when it was being chopped to pieces or or questioned like why does the neighbor look so cr-? like you know every little thing because it was you know this is my vision and they're saying it's uncool <laughs> you know it was like yeah. oh no again oh, and no. i must say it's this is pre the Pretty the rise strange. of stranger things which is yes. kind of like I think Stranger Things in its own sense is a much a circle jerk more, I think, in a sense, is just like, let's make an well, England I'm feel. Not, I'm, I'm not, not going to go there today. Uh, but no, I mean, it has, but, its, it has its merits, yes, you know, like it, yes. it definitely has its strong suits in it, and, and there's a reason why it's successful yes, and stuff. Totally. Absolutely. But there's the endearing characters beat, and it's stuff. It's not because so. we beat them to the punch. It's that this film was meant to live in that same space, but before it had been proven as yeah, business exactly. and, and, and economically worthy, it was questioned. And because I didn't have the team who saw that same vision, um, you know, it was, it was, it was rough. And so eventually, you know, I just had to leave. I had to leave because it was, it was hurting me. It was hurting me mentally. And I think that, you know, everyone involved, I think, you know, felt that that was very unprofessional, but it was, it was for my own artistic sanity. 
um, which I don't think many people come across someone who is <laughs> so fragile that way. And I, but I am fragile that way. Yeah. And you know, I've, I've since actually apologized to a lot of people involved because for me, it was like, I can't break my thing this much. And to give you an example, I use the same example every time is imagine this is a good sort of barometer or, you know, side by side comparison is imagine you David Lynch made Twin Peaks. And I'm not saying our film was anywhere near as good as Twin Peaks, mm. but I'm saying imagine he made Twin Peaks, but then the, someone edited that into CSI. You know, it can be done. It can be done. There's a murder yeah. and there's cops and, it's and the stuff music like that. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it could yeah. be done. You could take the footage it's just from the taste when, changes completely. Yeah. Everything changes about the vibe and the edit choices and all that stuff. And so while you still would have all the great performances by Kyle McLaughlin and and, and, you know, in my case, Thomas Mann and everybody else, while you'd still all have all that stuff, the, how it's pieced together and everything changes the entire vibe. And I think a lot of people don't know that about movies is that this happens a lot. Oh yeah. Happens all the time. Movies are made or broken in the editing bay. They really are. I mean, so much, I mean, like David Fincher said it perfectly. And I remember when it's like fight club or something, the the layered experience of making films, you have your pre-production, the script writing all that kind of stuff, getting your casting getting your acting, getting everything ready. Then you go out and shoot it and you catch all that stuff. And then like you go and then you sit in the editing bay and you're like, Whoa, I have a completely different thing that I was expecting, you know? And then you kind of have to put it together. It's better. Sometimes it's far worse and you sort of have to craft it from there. Yeah. And, um, so that, that was the experience on my first film. And, and you know, it's, it sucked. <laughs> you know, it was a great learning experience. And, and uh, you know, it, it didn't you say that suck. now. <laughs> yeah, no, no I mean, it that. sucked for like the experience. It sucked like, going through it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think for everyone involved, it sucked for different reasons. And that's the thing is that, you know, no one got what they wanted. The people who whose money we spent probably didn't get what they wanted either. And like I said, I I think the film is still good. It's just not the film we set out to make. And because, and and it's still good because there are so many good elements in it, um, that, and not necessarily brought by me. Um, and in most cases not brought by me, but, uh, it's still, I think holds up and, and, you know, I, I've been telling everybody that I, I still think it'll do its job. And I think this was the hardest part for anybody to understand. It's the job of our house was to be an introductory horror film. So if you love horror movies and you have kids and they are, you know, 10 to 13 years old, this is the one you take them to, to get them involved. There's no gore. There's no sexual connotations. It's just scary. And it's about real life. And that was the goal. And that's a hard one to sort of sell in the edit bay. And it's a hard one to sort of, you know, wrap your head around, but to anybody who has, who goes through it that way, you'll be like, Oh, it's in the vein of, you know, other unsuccessful movies like, you know, return to Oz or movies. We all ended up renting when we were kids that creeped us out. Something wicked this way comes. There are so many movies like that, that we would rent as kids that would just destroy us. But it made us love the genre. If that makes sense. Like you'd rent it and you knew it was too scary to watch, but it, it got you hooked because that feeling, you know, that drug that we're talking about yeah. hit you like, yes, I want more of that, please. <laughs> um, yeah. 
That's good. So that, I mean, it's I, good that it's great to see that and hear that because I know it was very trying. It was a personal journey for you. And it was kind of like the, we often talk about it, the wheel of pain from Conan, you know, like, oh, yeah. and it's like an analogy that we are constantly using. And I'm sure that if you're listening to this and you're going through your own trials and tribulations in your own, ex, you know, whatever creative experience, you're doing the same thing. Like you're very much like dealing with the wheel of pain. If you're really working hard through it, Art is hard. I remember hearing that in like a song one time and I was like, ah, that's so accurate. And it's a bummer because art is hard. It's not an easy, like if you're really doing it, it's an, it's a, it's a hard, it's a challenging thing. There are moments I think where it can actually be enjoyable in the process. And I think like what you said is the summation of what makes this great. And if you can do it is, is, is you surround yourself with people that are better than you but they're humbled by the fact that they, that they're learning with you and that they're great company, you know, and that you make great work together. And that's really where the, the, the gold lives. I think, you know, for me at least, you know, so for me, I just realized daily that all the cheesy things that old people say to you are true. <laughs> most of it. Yeah. Most of yeah. it. Not all old people. There are some. Of them yeah, are of course. But you know, think, think, like, you know, surround yourself with people who are good, et cetera, et cetera. All these yeah. things that you, you, that people tell you when you go as a teenager, listen to us, people listen to us. We know a thing yep. or two. Yeah, no, it's very true yep. though. I mean, no, it the, is. The, the common knowledge from, um, older people that actually care about you and want to see you succeed is usually like so spot on and you don't even realize it until the time that you've gone through it and you're like, shit, I know I've heard this advice before, <laughs> you know, and then you're dealing with it and you're like, damn it, you know, like, <laughs> no, but I mean, it's what it comes down to. And so your first film, so you go out and there was, it was a tumultuous situation and it's a bummer, you know, like the last thing I know that you want to do is, is throw away all that time and effort and, and your name is on this thing that isn't really you, you well, know, at the end of the day, like it's not your edit, you know, right. No, it's it's, in, it, there's, there's a lot of me still in there. Sure. And I, no, well, I, you I, did direct it, you know, but at the same time. Yeah, and, and we, we spent a lot of time crafting things together as a team. And so there is a lot of the team that worked on it and sure. You know, there's a lot of great work in there, but it's very different. That's why I tell people, imagine Twin Peaks being cut into CSI because it is a different tone and it is a different vibe. And, and I mean, I didn't even meet the composer who ended up working on it, who's done great soundtracks, but I didn't talk to him. So, yeah, and that's a different. huge deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Music is so important for me. Music is 80%. Especially for horror. So, yeah, especially for so horror. If, if I never get to talk to the fellow, it's not going to be, you know. Yeah, we want to have those tonalities. I mean, that's really what... Um, what, what is a director to you? Like, what is, what is a director's role? I mean, having gone through it and made two movies or made one and currently in the middle of another, I have no clue. Are you still figuring that out? No, I think it's different for every single person who is one. That's true. That's a good, if you, if you, if you read books and you go through other people's career, you find that everybody has a different methodology and idea of what it is to be a director. Oh, well, you, make sure you, you just tell the actress what to do. And, and that's, you know, like everybody has a different way of doing it. And my way of doing it is, um, I like to paint things. I like to paint moving images. And so, you know, that's the other thing is I shot our house and I shot my, my, my new movie come true because yeah, cinematography. Yeah. Yeah. Because 
you know, some people say, well, you, you'd have more time to work with the actors, but see, I like to look at the actors through the camera and I like to, to, to be able to, um, do ad libs and, and, and improvise on, on the day that you can't, if you have a, an entire team to organize and, and rally to, to those things, because yeah, it's, it's just, it's too expensive to waste that kind of day. Yeah. Um, so the way I do it isn't the way that anybody else might enjoy doing it. So to be, to Cooper me, being directed, <laughs> yeah, but, and, and I mean, Soderbergh shoots his stuff too. Yeah. Uh, some people like to do it. Others don't, you know, there, there are far better DOPs than me. I just enjoy the process and, and I also am very bad at communication and you can back up back. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you're pretty good. I think, I think you're, you've gotten so much better at it over the years too, but it's, it's definitely <laughs> just back, back to emails and et cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, when when, you when know, you're, when you're one-on-one and you're a hundred, you're a hundred percent. Yeah. But yes. I think it's the electronic thing that gets in the way. So does, but that's totally like fine. To, I that's, like to talk to people. Yeah. But, but that's good though. What I, what I use the, the example of, of for that is I don't like the idea of holding someone else's hand to paint my painting. Yeah that that's really what it is, is I like to paint the painting. And especially because, you know, as, as you've recently found out, because now you're a master photographer, no, um, <laughs> no, Shit. no, no Ash picked up photography way too quickly. Um, it's kind of, um, Dude, it's learning anyways. Uh, but you can, the, the capturing of light is an addiction, I think. Uh, and that's why so people fun. like photography. It's, it is an, you, you really do love the capturing of light and the, the, I, that's, that's why I like doing it is I like to capture the performance and capture the light and, and do it myself because it's so much fun. It's rewarding. Um, it's an incredibly yeah, rewarding process. Absolutely rewarding. When you get that shot, you're like, yes. Like, and, and that's, that's really what it comes down to is I enjoy it so much. You know, like I said, there are far better people to do the job than me but I enjoy the process. Um, I think so, it's really important too, as a director to, to, to see your film through your, your eyes. But I mean, again, I think your actually, your answer to what a director is, is spot on. And I think that's perfect advice because it's like, there is no right answer. It uh-huh. is what you do and your inclinations and your taste and what you're interested in. And, you know, it's like, that's perfect advice. Cause it's, some a, directors it's, it's, have it's, no, no interest in photography. Yeah. And they can make, they can craft performances that I could never even touch. Yeah. Yeah, I'm eating an energy bar because I'm very <laughs> <You're> famished. <laughs> no, but I mean that's it's 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 that's another totally true thing. And there's some directors that don't even touch the camera and don't even really talk to their DOP, and they still make films and art that I think we enjoy. I think it. I think totally. I think it's just more or less like it's a process. It's a, it's, it's like a lot of times I start thinking about like food in connection to what we do and like how different the art of food making and eating and consuming is compared to what we do and how like much I wish, I wish it was more like food. You know what I mean? Like where you make a really great meal for somebody that you care about and you sit down and enjoy it. And it's like a, it's a timely process that's like contained within a quarter of your day, you know, or less. And it's just like, Awesome. And some of my favorite times in my life have shared over exchanging meals and having good comp- company 
but then the art of making this stuff that we've decided to do is like the longest fucking most drawn out, most painful yep. experience of the all of them. Con. Yeah, no, it's the long con. <laughs> it is. It, it's, but, yeah. but it can be, it can be so much more rewarding. Yes. Right? Yeah, and it's the outlook. Yeah. The coolest thing about, you know, making music and making movies for me is that it goes out there and then it becomes its own thing. And like I said, you know, I was very upset that my first film was going to come out with my name on it and not be representative of me, but it can't help but be representative of me and the people who worked on it. So, so even though it isn't my perfect vision, you know, I hope that it goes out there and people do enjoy it. You know, it'll have its own audience, you know? Yeah. And there will be things to enjoy in it. Maybe it's not perfect and it's not the one that I, you know, that's the thing about being a perfectionist is, is I'm slowly figuring out how to remove that from my <laughs> repertoire because it's it, it kills you. It does. It kills, yeah. Like, listen, I'm never going to not fight for the best version. And that's why I am a difficult person. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, if I'm going to exist and be happy, I have to figure out a way to reconcile when it isn't perfect. Yeah, no, totally. That's amazing. And it's something that you only learn through just like smashing your head against it for hours and, and days getting a, and months. a movie destroyed, you know, like yeah. in, in, my, in my eyes. And now I, I can look at that and see the good in it. You know? Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's kind of the circle, right? I mean, that's kind of where you have to go with this stuff. Well, because it's if either that or I, or I, 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 you know, disregard the, the whole process. And that's not fair because we had a lot of fun working on it. Yeah, that's good. And that's good to look at the positives too, you know, cause it mm. is, it is, it can be really challenging, um, when you get into that. And it's like, for me, it would be re- the difficulty would probably come from just being misrepresented, you know, like having my name on something that isn't necessarily, um, completely approved by me. And I think that perfectionist thing, and that's something I think we talk about a lot. And I think that's why we're so close is because a lot of our main core inclinations and, and, and things in life are very oddly connected. Um, I think on our approach to art, how we look at art, how we look at things, how we experience things is oddly connected. And, and since it's so bespoke and unique and different, like we're completely alienated, you know, that's why we're like, dude, isn't that weird? And then we're like, yes. Like, okay, good. I don't feel like an alien because right <laughs> yeah, totally. everybody loves that thing. And I have no, like, cl- I have no connection to it emotionally. And isn't that weird? And then, yeah, cause it, it can be very lonely, I think. And you need that. I think as a creative, if you're, especially if you're pushing, you need somebody to remind you that you aren't crazy at times not always because <laughs> sometimes you might be crazy <laughs> yes no, sometimes you might be crazy but that 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 that's really it is is yeah. and again it comes back to me saying you know i make the music uh, music and art and film to connect with people because i think that lets us all know that we're not crazy i mean especially in these times it's really important for us to have communities and people that we can talk to and and sort of throw ideas around because <clears throat> As we know, it's getting harder to know whether or not we're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The thing is, I think, is it we've always been crazy. I think the Internet has just shed a lot of light on the fact that it's almost like you've been like, it's almost like you're taking a crap and somebody shines a light on you. Like, <laughs> what? 
That's humanity. Humanity is a person in the woods taking a shit, and then their friend is the internet with the flashlight shining it on them <laughs> and saying, "Hey, look, you're not perfect. Look at all these flaws." <laughs> and then well, you're just, and then you're just sitting there going, "Well, at the end of the day, I'm sitting here taking a shit, and you got to deal with that." <laughs> yeah, I think it can go even weirder though. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> flashlight it, has pointed out some things for me where I'm like wait, I didn't know that people shat in the woods with, you know, like a chainsaw at their neck. Like, <laughs> like uh, I forgot to put that part in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's got weird where you didn't even realize people could be that insane. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The Internet opens up. I mean, so much weird stuff where it's almost it's so weird. I mean, we see this a lot with like the, the documentaries that are prevalent and just raging through like Netflix and stuff, which. Like, I think we talked about Wild Wild Country, I think it is. Yes. Did you end up finishing it? I didn't finish it because I was like, this is just. It's important to finish it. It's important to finish it. Because I was like, these people are are so stupid. I can't deal with this. You know, (laughs) that's the thing is it's important to finish it because you see that the intentions are good. And I think that's an important part of that story. And it's an important part of like the human story is that I personally believe that the intentions are always good. The person who's doing always thinks they're right and they always think that they're doing the right thing yeah um i don't know if you've seen the darkest hour um i did i watched yeah that. Yeah, yeah so so the war so movies always that, trip me out because it's exactly what you just said and it's based on your perspective of where you're coming from you know yeah because well, you, you look at nazi germany they're like no we're right you know like <laughs> totally totally and but what's weird about that is you see that and you go okay well winston churchill is this fellow who who has, you know, what they're deeming, you know, crazy ideas. And he goes against what everybody sort of is is pushing. Because when you watch that, you go, yeah, I'd be pushing for peace too. Like, let's get peace, you know? But at the same time, he's saying, no, if we give in to this guy, you know, that's the end. And so we got to just fight this guy. And and, and so it is, it's a difficult question. And he does the unpopular thing. And so you see that like sometimes history is defined by these people who do wild, crazy things, but they have a a vision for where it's going to end up. Now, the problem there is that, you know, we have people in power now who are doing wild and crazy things (laughs) and they think that they're doing the right wild and crazy thing. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's where it's bonkers is that humans always You know, I don't believe in good and evil. I believe in, you know, educated and uneducated. Um, Yeah. People who know. The battle of stupidity is the biggest battle of all time. Yeah, And and I think that if you educate people and if you're you're open with them, you can pretty much convince them of of the decent thing almost every time. Um, When I see decent is not the right thing to do, the decent thing to do. The the one that, that, that is fair and just. You know, that, that's the thing. And it just takes explaining things to people. Yeah. But the problem is, is that when you get into these fights of like, ah, you're stupid, you know, you're stupid, um, (laughs) that ends in no decency. You know, I, 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 I've, I've gotten into a couple of, you know, Twitter conversations. Oh no, not Twitter. But, but here's the deal is, is I try to be open. And so if they attack me or whatever, I'm very open and I'll say like, you know, I'll DM them and say, listen, I'm not, you know, trying to be leftist or, you know, far right. I'm, I'm the guy in the middle who's trying to 
reconcile. <laughs> you know, I want us to be able to con- converse. You might think this and I might think that, but the reality is unless we just have a decent conversation, it's just going to be a batting match. Yeah. Just going to be ping ponging it back and forth from left to right to left to right. Whereas if we meet in the middle and we can talk about these things, maybe there's a way for people to become educated on both ends because no one is perfect and no one knows exactly what to do. And that's no. what I'm saying about the darkest hours that you have people who say peace and then you have Winston Churchill saying, no, we got to go to war. And in that instant, you know, my instinct would have been to, to be peace. Let's see if we can do peace talks, you know, like that's our modern instinct. And that would have been completely wrong. And we would have been all living under, you know, Nazi, Nazi regime. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy, you know, and for, for a, the, what was that? Like, that was a weeks long period for life to have been at the point that's what scared me the most about that film for life to have been in a point mm. where it could change so drastically in a yeah. matter of weeks. That's, yeah. that's unthinkable. It's unthinkable. That's now. What I love about history because history will expose. It's like looking back at the footage of the flashlight, flashlight of the poop person pooping <laughs> in the woods <laughs> and, and analyzing it. And yeah. Ants, yeah. Ants, and, and, yeah. And DD 3d 4d nude tain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, yeah, the darkest hour is a good example of that too, because that's really what it is about. And in, in a sense, you know, it's like the, 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 the struggle for that and, and, and discovering those things and trying to, you know, thread that line and really, I think, you know, sh- shedding light on just how fragile humanity is, you know, and yeah. going against the grain of things and how that can, how different that can be, but at the same time, how important it is to think for yourself in a sense and be authentic and, in your thought and to be, to be open because that's the thing, you know, that really blew my mind is to, is to think like, you know, to be dismissive of, you know, someone like Winston Churchill saying we need to go to war because I would have been some, one of those peace, you know, people sure. pushing peace. Yeah. I would have been, I, I, the person I am now, I probably would have been the person pushing peace, which is, let's just at least hear this person out. And, and it's, it's wild to me to, to think that I would have been wrong in that situation. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it, and it, and it totally is because there, it goes to show that there is a time for all different th- things, you know, like there's a time to battle. There's a time for like, cause in, in the mind of a peace person like us, so we, we think that, you know, it's, life can be good and doesn't need to have constant battles and stuff. You think ultimately that life can be peaceful because you see it like it is, it, it does work. But you're going on the notion that the other person you're going to be dealing with is going to be rational and educated. And that's, that's the thing is that they're educated, but they're just not rational because their, their form of, of logic is in a whole different realm that doesn't even like live within the realm of your, your mind. It's and in a that. whole different thing. And that's, that's, <laughs> and that's turmoil. And that is a story worth telling, you know, like that's, that's why I think, I think what, what, what we're seeing a lot within the film industry is that like, we, because we're still underdeveloped creatures and we have a lot of that lizard brain going on is like, we get stimulated by things and blinded like a moth in the light. And we kind of get completely consumed by the fact that like, wow, that's really cool graphics and stuff. And, totally there's amazing stuff it's like magic but what we realize is that the magic trick when you start to like lift it and you start to understand 
you know, like if you just decipher it, like we do, like we understand what's going on with the vis effects and stuff, you go, well, this magic trick is balls because it doesn't mean anything. Yes. And it's not telling the human story. The human story is, is what needs to be told. And it doesn't always have to be this story, you know, it just has to have a character that you resolve with or you connect with, you know? You can use the example of many movies we grew up with. There has to be a heart and a soul to the people that you're portraying on screen. And if they're just empty avatars and everything looks great, you know, you're not, you're not going to connect with people um, the same way. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite. It's weird though. There's a big fan base for stuff that's completely vapid and empty. It's really weird. uh, Because maybe, you know, people are getting, getting something out of it that, we're not able to, and you know, that's the thing everyone has. Their, their, but one of my favorite things right now that I'm watching, I don't know if you're watching it is glow on Netflix uh-huh. because those characters are so strong and, and the characterizations and the actors that everyone's doing, you can feel the love mm. in that show. You can feel the love. And so I'm right there and I, you know, you're falling in love with all the characters because they are real and flawed and they have all the things that, that, you know, going on with them that we we're all trying to figure out, you know, it's, it's, I, I highly suggest it to anyone who has not watched glow on Netflix Interesting. Um, that it is <laughs> highly, no. And it's so great. It's such a great example of, you know, a TV show about the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. You think, how is that going to be anything that I'm going to fall in love with. Sure. Um, but does it matter? It's a universal I've, I've thing. Never right? been, I've never been into wrestling. Um, and, but immediately you're drawn in by the characters. They're great. And, and the performances are great and the directing is great and the production design is great. And you know, it's just, it's a really solid, solid show. Yeah. Um, I have to check that yeah, out. Expect it. And that's why, you know, coming again back to Hollywood and, and, and conversations is if you go into the room and you pitch, it's going to be about wrestling and you know, everyone has their own idea of what that is. Yeah. It's really, it's the artistic expression behind it. That is the thing that can work yeah. and if you judge, you know, judge it based on just the concept. And, you know, maybe that's part of the flaw of, you know, how I would enter, you know, even the meetings I would go into is sometimes the concept wouldn't hit me and I didn't have the vision to sort of imagine the good version of that. Yeah. And yeah, this is a tough one. It is a tough one. Let's get back to come true. (laughs) (laughs) This is how our conversations are. Even like it's really hard for us in in normal day life for us not to just go and have like three hour conversations. Yeah, three or four hours. We're just like, and then we're like, oh crap. Like our wives are like yelling at us. Like, we gotta go. Okay, see ya. (laughs) We always say like, man, it would be so great to be neighbors, but maybe it would just like destroy. Yeah. It would be bad. We'd figure it out, but it yeah. it would definitely would be a lot of fun. But let's, so you went off and you made, um, so I almost, I almost quit the industry after our house because yeah, I was did. so yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. Like I was, I don't want to see another camera. I don't want to do this ever again because if this is how it is and, and you can't sort of, again, like I said, it's like being gagged. If you can't tell the story the way you want to, it feels like you can't speak. At least for me, that's how it is. It feels like I'm not allowed to speak. Yeah. And and now, you know, someone else is speaking for me. And so it's just a different relationship with the feature. But, you know, after a couple months, I thought, you know, 
we had the script that I wrote that everyone was on board on for doing. So I went to the producers who, who wanted to do it and I said, okay, what is the budget to which no one will sort of mess with the film? And they gave me a number and it was very low. <laughs> yeah. And I said, okay, let's do it. And so we sort of just, even though I was exhausted still from our house, I just vowed that, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to make a really good movie that is lower in budget, but still has all the flavor and, 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 and production design and, and everything else that, that, you know, something in, we're trying to make something that feels like it's within, you know, 30, 15, $30 million movie for way, way, way less. And so how we did it is, as you know, is we, we shot for 60 days. Um, that was one of the, the first things we thought of doing was we need time to get great performances if we don't have money, because yeah. as you know, it's good, fast or cheap, pick any two. Yeah. So this, you know, we can't be fast. So we, we took our time. So we're going to shoot for 60 days and we're going to, we're gonna, you know, Nick and I are going to go out early to where we're going to shoot. We're going to build all the sets and we're going to spray paint all the props and we're going to do all that ourselves so that we don't have to pay an entire team. And that way we can put all the money on screen with actors who are great and, uh, and spend all that time, you know, on actually getting performances. And so that's what we performances did. Performances are really like, that's the, the, the price. No, that's, stuff, the meat. Right? That, yeah. that's the meat. I mean, anybody that for me, uh, Here's another good example is if you had Daniel Day Lewis, you can go out with any camera, any time, shoot something and it'll be great. You need great actors. You yeah. need great actors, great actors. I don't know. I don't know if things were different when Hitchcock was making movies or what, obviously they were, but his, his experience with actors is so different from mine in that, you know, he, you know, you always hear about him, treating them like cattle and they, like they don't matter and that the story and everything is key. Yeah. But the reality is, is that unless you have someone to connect with, he was probably just hating the fact that he was pigeonholed to <clears throat> stuck to something, you know, that he couldn't control. Yeah. I think that was more probably what it was. Yeah. I'm sure <laughs> he was, was he was just, he was just dictating it like in his own way. I think that's what it seems like to me. <laughs> yeah. Because I know that he appreciates them. Yes. I mean, obviously, I mean like look at Anthony Perkins and psycho you can tell that, you know, they're, they're collaborating and you see the pictures, you know, the behind the scenes, they're collaborating and they're yeah. making a character together. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's just, you know, he hadn't met some of the right people to work with. So for me, if you don't have a good actor or you don't have good actors and they don't have good chemistry, there's almost really no point in even shooting a frame of film. There yeah. really is. Yeah, there really is. So if you're going to camera and you have, people that you don't feel comfortable with, there's almost no point because you're going to get in the edit room and you're just going to hate it. Yeah. You're going to, you've experienced that. Yeah. Through your years of doing things, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say, no, of course not. No need to <laughs> name names, but like you've experienced it. That's a great lesson to learn. And yeah, it's a great no, one to share with people. It is a great one to share because if you're thinking of going out uh, and I'm sure you've had the, uh, similar experiences, yes. if you're thinking of going out with friends and family and shooting stuff, it's really hard. Yeah. Because you, you have all the gear, but you're like, wait, I'm yes, missing the goal. You have all the gear. You've got the photography. 
But unless you've got an actor in front of the camera and you can pull it off with certain kinds of things and you've been smart about how you want to go about that. Um, to hide but, a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. To hide that stuff. But, but ultimately if you're pointing the camera at someone who, who is not a great performer, people can tell right away and it takes you right out because we as, as you know, as a species have an escalated and an elevated sense of taste now when it comes to media, because we're so savvy, we see it all the time and we know when it's not done right. Um, it's crazy. That's a huge difference from when we were kids. You know, it's a huge difference is everybody is so savvy and most, you know, people can go out and make a, a decent film or a video themselves. So yours has to be extra special yeah to to cut through yeah it's really so, so, crazy so, so for, i'm in post now uh on come true for and those I'm doing, that don't know what post is can you explain it yeah uh post, process know what post is well, some people <laughs> might not know okay post-production so i'm doing the visual effects and editing uh on my film right now and sort of doing tests of color etc um, but mostly right now, right now I'm actually rendering two shots on, on sort of three 1080s, um, graphic cards to those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, again, the yeah, tour comes out because you're doing all these things. You're like learning redshift and you're doing all these different kinds of. Yeah. yeah I've recently, um, to those who do work in 3d, I've recently switched from octane to redshift. And one of the reasons is just speed. Um, yeah. And stability, I think, too. As stability well. as well. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, it has not crashed on me. That's insane. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. It has not crashed on me. And it renders super fast. Um, it, it is uh, biased. So, it, it, you know, it's not a path tracing. You know, it's not absolutely perfect. But for what I'm using it for, it's absolutely perfect. Um, yeah. That's and, all that matters then. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, I really love it and I'm having a lot of fun and I used to, I'm, I'm old school. I was just joking around with another designer recently and, you know, I, I just I actually just picked up the new version of V-Ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to putz around on that because I am a V-Ray. V-Ray. powerful, man. It's very powerful. Probably the best still because it's been around it's, for so yeah, long. This, yeah. No, it still is when you, when it comes down to photorealism, it still is the best and it's yeah. just those small those tiny little things, you know, the way that light works, that it still gets so much more correct than other renders. The problem is, is that, you know, obviously it takes much longer to do so. Um, yeah. And then deadlines increase and you've got things like Octane and Redshift to do your boards, etc. You're going to go that route because I still, you know, even on the best system, you should, you're still going to wait a long time. And this is the thing about VFX, as you know, too, is that we, we've never we never catch up because the minute the minute something new comes out and we can do you know like a billion polygons you'll do it you know yeah, like exactly so we're, all, we're always pushing the, the limits of, of the the systems so you never catch up and you're like oh yeah no I'm just putting a guy in a room and is rendering in one second yeah. no one ever does that yeah so. and with game engines and getting as powerful as they have been you're just like yeah it's like you, it's really easy to take for granted and forget like where it's come from. But at the same time, it's still not good enough. <laughs> it's never going to be good enough. That's, That's how I am. I, I always look at it and I'm always frustrated with it. And it's probably like a, a big failure on my part, but I'm always frustrated with the fact that it's not doing what it needs to be doing. I get the point where it's like, Hey man, I've spent like 
a solid mini fortune on this stuff. And if it continually breaks or doesn't work, yeah. I'm like incredibly I had, I had insulted. My <laughs> I had my flip out right when I started post on come true because my, yeah. my PC just died for no reason. Yeah. It's um, bullshit. Total bullshit. No reason. Yeah, no. Yeah. Windows just shut down and would not restart for absolutely no reason. Yeah. Um, Drivers. You know, well, their theory was that it was mid-update um, and potentially, you know, it, got, it restarted at the wrong time or whatever. Yeah, it, some bullshit. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's bullshit. That's and what it is. That's, it's called a bullshit. That's the problem with working in, you know, technology and computers as we do um, is that there are these problems. And so it's not – I want – you know, obviously you and I talk about this all the time. I want – computers and digital art to work like a pencil and paper it's getting That's closer what, every year it gets a little closer and it's still far away though like uh, listen it's, it's way more solid than when i was i mean oh yeah yeah it's exponential i mean moore's law is 100 more solid I, I i didn't trust any of my work and backed up you know on eight drives you know like that's the way i was <laughs> yeah it's 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 definitely gotten better um, it's just still a work in progress a hundred percent. It's just, yeah, I, I think you and I and, and all of our friends and people that are really pushing it, or we're just pushing it so hard that we expect it to be, to live up to our expectations. And if you play, pay top dollar for these things, um, it's like, come on, do what you said you're going to do do as advertised. Like yeah, what's I'm wrong doing with what you? I said, I'm, I, I'm doing what I said I was going to do. I'm going to pay full. I mean, yeah, I'm paying full everything taxes and everything. And then you're not going to work. It's like, why am I paying for this? You know, it's like, I might as well not because it doesn't work. <laughs> I think that's what just saturates and ruins the value of things digitally is that right there it's like things don't do what it's they say they're going to do you know and that's really incredibly frustrating but no people who are perfectionists who say you know who do what they say they're going to do yeah exactly (laughs) and want it to be want it to resonate with the same energy that a photo would and that's really you're asking everything of everything all at once to get that result it's just that's what it is there was a thing that I remember you saying back before when we were starting to develop Lost Boy and you're talking about one of your director homies and you were saying that it was, a, it was a funny thing that I recall is you were saying like, you know what, you know, like this guy said that if you want to make something, you have to write the script. You're like, man, I don't want to have to write the whole script myself. <laughs> and it's funny. Do you remember that? You remember saying that? I, I don't remember saying that, but I, it, it seems it's, it's, logical to me you know it seems logical i don't remember saying that but i I, you know that's what ended up happening exactly both on both movies no you ended up writing them completely yeah or like well i know the first one you did a bunch of rewrites but come true is completely your own thing yes yeah Yeah. so i did the uh, you know we did uh, a friend of mine and i did rewrites on our house but yeah with come true it was my screenplay from the beginning and uh yeah, no, it's it, the only way to sort of see that vision come out right sometimes is to just, just to power through and do it yourself. <laughs> and so that's one of the lessons I've learned from you. Yeah. No, and I, I, yeah. I don't suggest it for everybody no. because not everybody can write and not everyone can. I mean, there, I have so many shortcomings. It's just, I choose to do it that way because I have a certain kind of vision that I want to bring to the table and that, you know, Again, maybe it's not the most financially, 
you know, responsible vision, <laughs> but sure. it's, it's my vision nonetheless. And that's what I want to put out there. And there are a lot of, you know, it's hard to have these sort of left field ideas that you want to put on screen, um, in the modern climate of filmmaking, because listen, it's not a sure thing anymore. We, we grew up in an era when I call it the captive audience. It's like, where are you going to go see a movie? If not renting it at the video store or yeah. in a the theater. Yeah. They had that's a lot the, of control over the distribution. Yeah, th that, yeah. That's where you saw movies and there was no other way to see movies yeah. on TV. Like that's it. And so that industry has, has suffered because now, you know, piracy is so bad. And I, I, I really do hate people who pirate movies because you've, you, you've essentially decided that movies are free Yeah, and they're not. And, and, nothing is free. Nothing is free. Yeah. You eventually pay for it in some way, whether yeah, you know you, it or not. And we're paying for it right now in, in, in lesser quality movies coming out consistently. I mean, yeah. there are still great movies being made, but less often because it's not this thing that people can, it's not an industry that where you can just have faith that it will be seen because it might not. I mean, yeah. look at how many, I, I'm blown away when I go and I see how many straight to VOD movies come out with big name actors that, yeah, you know, it's, should crazy. Be, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's weird to think that, you know, this is all because it's an unsure battlefield now. Um, yeah. It's just part of the, but, it's part of the, the equation really, you know, it's just but, part of, you know, I try trying. to stay optimistic that, you know, the good, the good stuff still rises to the top and people it, still it do does. see it. And they, and they, they do still see it. I mean, there's a reason why Paul Thomas Anderson still gets to make movies because they obviously still make money Yeah. Uh, because we are a dedicated fan base who will go see his movies in the theaters. And, and Chris Nolan is still doing his thing and Nolan, you know, yep. I, I enjoyed Dunkirk. I thought he's the only kind I, of director that can oh, even I, do. I saw, I saw Dunkirk on 70 mil and it was the Fuck. best, best experience. Yeah. I'm actually, That's how you have to watch that film. So you have to watch almost all his movies. I'm going to see uh, Lost Highway in 35 today. Ooh, that's awesome. Yeah. You're, yeah, you, that's one thing I too, I think that, um, I think you love movies more than I do. Like I, <laughs> I love movies, but like you like are, you watch a movie a day almost. I, I can't even, oftentimes like I fall asleep. I love parts of them. I realize that I like different things, like the different experience of them, you know, like some movies, they captivate me. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes my head wanders. Um, I don't know, but like you are constantly watching movies. So yeah. And so is Nick. Nick watches way more movies than me and he watches everything. That guy goes to every movie almost. And it's kind of, <laughs> mind -blowing. it's like the other day he came out, I just went and saw skyscraper. I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have kids. That's why. That's how he does it. <laughs> uh, it's true. But, but it's funny, you know, it's good. It's good for me because he sees pretty much everything. And so he's like, when I show him cuts and stuff, he's, he's seen every movie, yeah. <laughs> you know, that he possibly can see. Um, and it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it, it's, the relationship with cinema is different for everyone. I mean, I only watch movies where I can get into what the director is sort of telling me. Yeah. Uh, like I can tell whether I'm enjoying the vision pretty quickly. Um, so I don't watch everything, but Nick, that guy watches it. <laughs> yeah. You watch movies all the time though. I'm constantly like in awe. I guess I watch content. That's but like I, Howard said to me one time, he said, how do you in ingest so much media? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, 
I you you are making so much stuff, but also ingesting so much media, and it's just because that's important. Like, again, though. I think it's important. it's because I I don't have a family, and <laughs> you know I I have my you wife. Have Stacey, and, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But you know, if I had if I did have kids, and I I marvel at people who have kids because that is an an investment in time that is, you know, I we chose to be great aunts, uncles, yeah. godparents. Because you guys are awesome too. No, but it's it's because I I I don't know that I could give up my 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 addiction to what I do, <laughs> which yeah. is very. I feel very. I love that you know that though. Like, well, I had to come to terms with that because you know I see a lot of people who have, you know, Brad Bird. I was recently listening to a podcast with Brad Bird, and he said, you know. I always worried and that's what you know the the Incredibles is about yeah. is this idea where if you're really great at one thing how can you be really great at both things and mm. so he had a daughter and you know he was also coming up in the film industry and it's like if I'm a great filmmaker how can I be a great dad you know yeah. it's so hard it's so hard to give 110% on on two well it's not possible things. it really isn't i don't think well, it is well, and you know, I think people struggle with that. And I knew that I wouldn't be able to emotionally handle that struggle. I would feel terrible. And you know, quite honestly, I would just quit film making films because yeah. obviously that, that little person is so much more important to me than films. And so rather than be a, a give up on my dreams and be a mediocre parent, I just, I, 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 I knew that it would, it wouldn't be the right path for me. Yeah. And so, you often say like how like in certain films and certain directors, once they have kids, it changes their art, you know, significantly. Rightfully so because they change their perspective on things, their you know. Perspective. And that's that's a really interesting thing is that, you know, as as you get older you you really do realize again that all that stuff that you thought was so important in your twenties really is not. It's not <laughs> it's not at all, really. <laughs> it really is not. But we'll say that when we're 60 looking back at our age now, you know, we Absolute, will, we'll, we'll go Absolute. like, that wasn't even oh, worth yeah. it. Why did I waste so much time making garbage movies? That's what I will say to myself. <laughs> um, yeah, but, because but, you love yeah, it. No. But so, yeah, I, I made the choice to, 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 to focus on films and, and focus on things so I can watch lots of movies. <laughs> yeah. But it's really good that you, you've, I, that's one thing I, I really applaud because, um, one of my best friends, Nate, him and his wife decided not to have kids. And honestly, it's weird because like so many, my friends are like, I'm working to have kids and stuff. But when, when they told me they weren't, I was so happy for them because I felt like they were like, Hey, you know what? We're being real. Like we don't want to have kids. And like their reasons were all super valid. They're like, we like our marriage. We don't want to have somebody get in the way of that. We want to enjoy doing what we want to do when well, we I, want to do it. You know, it's, it's like dude. a lot of people think it's being selfish, but no, at, at the end it's of the being day, real. It's well, and for me, I don't discount the fact that I will, you know, one day adopt a kid or, or you know, that's sure. that, because I do. I, I love kids and, yeah. you know, I love being a great uncle and I love being a great, you know, role model for kids and, 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 and hanging out and stuff. But it's, it's, you know, the world is filled with people who need each other. Yeah. yeah. I don't necessarily need that, that, that young person in my life to be blood relative, you know, yeah, I yeah. just want to be good, a, a good person and a good role model for those people. It doesn't matter to me that it's not my blood. Yeah. Yeah. Good people are good people are people that need, there's people that need help uh, everywhere all the time. You know, like there, it's an endless 
It's like the ocean. Exactly. Like so it's so just going to keep going. I'm being, I'm being selfish, you know, for my own dreams. It's like, no, I'm no. trying to be the best person for this planet that I can be. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like we're in dire need of more humans here. It's like, that's another thing. It's like, <laughs> come on, there's, there's enough of us here already. You know, no, like, we don't need any more jerks like me. We really <laughs> yeah, there's so. enough, there's enough people in this world. There's no need for more. So, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that's really cool. And I think that your ability to consume so much of what you love is it, it really I think it probably helps a lot with just I mean we talked a lot about that because I'm slowly I love films as well I love them in different ways though I think which is cool like and that's one thing we kind of we had that big kind of talk and we were like you know all my life I was like I would watch like a Spielberg film and I was like man it's so good you know because you because he's great and he's master of what he does and then you go off and make your own movies and you're like no matter how many times I'll watch E.T., I, I, I naturally do not make E.T. <laughs> it's like yeah. if I'm being completely honest with myself and then you start to realize, like, I'm not like any of these directors at all. <laughs> like, you know, I'm completely my own self. And that is so scary and it sucks so bad because honestly, all I want to do is like make an E.T. or something, you know, because then I can go like, isn't that good? Because it's just like that thing that I love as a kid. But then you realize when you're really doing it naturally, it's not that at all. It's not even close. (laughs) You're just like, fuck, you're totally fucked. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, it's like you will be authentically appreciated. You know, like you won't have, you know, like, and I think, or you won't, you know, like, and and that's true. You have to come to terms with. I mean, I talked about, uh, I was on a podcast with Aaron Belingo recently. Who's a? It's a music podcast, and uh, you know he was saying how great it was that John Carpenter was fi- was getting you know some recognition. I said, well, thank God, thank God he's getting recognition now, because there's someone who made classic, you know, classic masterpieces, who was basically um, discredited by one of his movies that is now seen as a masterpiece. You know, the thing came out. Yeah. And it didn't do any business and people thought it was disgusting. <laughs> which it was. <laughs> yeah, no, which it is. But that was the whole point. That was the point, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it basically ruined his career. And I said, like, what if he hadn't lived to see people appreciate that? It's heartbreaking. Yeah. And so when you do this stuff, you have to be ready. And more importantly, in this day and age, I want to see more pr- provocative things that aren't seen as as great now that that can blossom into the things that people see as great because everyone is searching for likes so much yeah. that we're, we're we're making art that has nothing to say yeah it's and true we have we have to break out wow. of that and 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 not be afraid to make things that people might not like you know and that's the hardest part is making something that that is true to you that you might put out and people will say, this is garbage. And <laughs> and like yeah. we're it's come back to us having a good community and, and friends and things like that to keep you well adjusted. Because the world, you know, if you're looking for the world's appreciation, you know, that's that's the worst place you can be. It, w- it will not bring you happiness. It won't. <laughs> yeah, it won't. And that's something that we talk about quite often, too, is like, especially with like the, the way that the social media works and stuff now and the instant likes and the everydays and all these kind of things like 
that bring you this falsified attention, some of it actually makes sense and it works and I think it's good. But like even um, for me personally in my career, I've, I have, I'm working with probably one of the, the biggest clients I've ever worked with in my entire life. I have the most freedom I've ever had creatively to do what I do. And it's honestly, it's all come from, from two films, three maybe, but two of them are ones that I've totally taken a risk on and were not appreciated by most of the people that, that, that normally like my work. And I think it was such a testament and I, and I realized it was a good lesson to me to go like, okay, just because a certain amount of people don't like, it doesn't mean that everybody doesn't. And it's like, you have to trust your intuition and you just have to make those things, you know, if Absolutely. I, what's that? Absolutely. Because yeah. that's, what's going to make you feel good is, is, is yes. expressing yourself. Yes. And I think, you know, if there's one thing I can say to younger artists is, is, is express yourself yes. and don't be afraid if someone says you're a piece of crap, <laughs> if you yeah, enjoy they're, it, they're going to, that's why <laughs> you know, enjoy it. I think, yeah. you know, it's hard for it's, people to say, screw it. And, yeah. and I don't blame and, them. I don't blame them. I know yeah. I didn't grow up in this era and I don't understand it. Yeah. So it is, I don't know what they're going through, but what I can say is that you, you do have to enjoy life, you know, yeah. as best as you can. And so if, if you feel like you like something, do it, do it. It doesn't matter if people think it's garbage. I mean, obviously don't commit crimes. <laughs> yeah. Like do it within reason. Right. You know, like, I mean, <laughs> it's, that's, you love within reason. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't commit crimes. Be a good person, but that's so difficult too. you know, so it's like make make the art that makes you happy. And if the world, you know, you're not getting enough likes, that's fine. That's fine. You won't too. As long as as you like it, you know, like that's the hardest part to sort of get across is that, you know, I, I miss the times when I was making art with my friends when I was in my, you know, teens, because we, we didn't have social media and we were just making it for each other, you know, like to have laughs and, and to be, you know, to, to grow and experiment and, you know, running around with cheapy video cameras and things like that. We had a lot of fun. I think that's why we like to make work art together because like when you came down, you flew down and then you shot edifice and we just had so much fun. Yeah. We were just like, isn't this the best? This is the best. We were out (laughs) on the beach. We were up in the running and around the mountains and stuff. We didn't have a lot of time. We didn't no. have all the gear in the world, but we had a lot of fun and it was just like, yeah. and then, and at the end of the day, I, I felt like we were all like proud of what it represented for us creatively, you know? And I felt like that was a home run. Well, even, even if we weren't, it was so much fun to make yeah. that it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter. It would not matter. Yeah. And, and that is one of the, that's the, that's the old men in us as we get older is we're realizing we're actually finally realizing that it is the journey and that is so much more important than the destination yeah. and it takes, you know, I hate that it takes so long to figure that out because it really mm-hmm. is so much more fun to just to play in life and to enjoy those moments when you're playing. And if the thing that you were working so hard towards doesn't turn out perfect, you know, and in my case, it's a feature film that's coming out next week. Um, <laughs> it doesn't turn out perfect, but the journey was a lot of fun and I can't throw that away. The journey was so much fun and we had yeah. a great time and, you know, so that's a great way to look yeah. at it. I think that's, a, I think that's the, really the only way to look at it and the enjoyment of it. So with come true, like you basically, um, you, you kind of built your, I mean, not kind of, you completely built your own mythology, your own world, your own characters and everything like that. That's a huge endeavor. Did it come about naturally for you or did you kind of figure out a way of um, did, 
did your last practices with like say all the way from back to manifold and you've been making films since forever um you've been making them for a long time you've shown and me and some of your old you original know, stuff yeah. you know like yeah you know, it's funny but those old ones is that i i showed you that i haven't really grown as an artist I've, well <laughs> I've you have you, you you're but you're repeating certain things yes, that are definitely. that are habitual um structures for you that create good stimulus for you creatively that's yes. totally fun. i mean if you look at let's say like todd mcfarlane as an artist like you look at his art you go wow you've been drawing spider-man your whole life you're like no i've been drawing spawn like been, no you've been well, drawing spider-man with a cape <laughs> you know it's like no i'm not taking anything against uh, away from him because it's it's awesome but you when, missed the joke there i said he's been wearing golf shirts his whole life <laughs> yeah he, he is he <laughs> freaking love golf shirts i love that guy he's he there's only one todd mcfarlane and there I, is only one todd mcfarlane and, and love him or hate him you gotta appreciate the fact that he's completely authentic you know and that's what i'm saying about these you know like the 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 winston churchills of, of the world is that you know we we do need crazy people you know and, and in this modern climate of you know like obey the rules obey the rules and do what everyone else is doing you do need crazy people. The problem is, is that with those good crazies, you get bad crazies too. And, and yeah, it's hard to decide. decide yeah, no, there's no, there's no real, you know, reigning police for, you know, police force that can police the good and bad crazies. But we do need crazy people and, and crazy thinkers. I mean, that was the, that was the, you know, the, the whole purpose of the ad campaign that made Mac what it is, is you know. Yes. Think different, you know. Think different, you yeah. I think a lot of that, it comes from where you put it, you know, like if you're crazy and you're hurting people, no, you suck. Get the fuck out of yes. here. If Absolutely. you're crazy and you're making comic books, go for it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you're crazy but, and you're making parents, movies or people, something, people, sure, give it a go. The, you know, the world has become, you know, a policing force to some degree. It's, it's so uh, annoying, dude. The whole social justice warrior bullshit. It's like, get the fuck out of here. Oh, like, it comes from a great it. place though. It comes from a great place of wanting things to be but people trying to neutralize everything. is really driving me nuts. You know, it's like turning everything gray. It's well, like, dude, fuck off. Like let well, people be different and weird. You know? <laughs> well, this is the thing is there is no right way, but there is harming people. And you know, it's sure. really hard. To, it's really hard to, like I said, it's really hard to navigate that stuff. You don't know what's harming people sometimes. Yeah. And, true. and you don't want to be harming people, but at the same time, we don't want to neutralize, uh, a creativity and we don't want to, you know, neutralize our, our human nature completely and, and what it is that we do. We do want to be good people to each other. And so it's For the hard. Most part. Yeah. I, I think, you know, this stuff comes from a want for things to be, uh, listen, when you have, you know, a leader of the world the free being world. so, I'm trying to be so nice here. Uh, you know, when you have him doing things that are so wrong, um, it's hard to know what's right. You sure. know, and yeah. that's, that's where it's, 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 it's the, there's backlash because people feel so wronged. And this is what I said is, you know, here in Canada, we recently voted in somebody in the province I live in who is, um, who's got some ideas that I don't agree with. And ultimately it means that we failed as a society when this stuff happens. It's not to be blamed on one person. It's, it's that we've all failed each other. Yeah. Collectively. Getting, yeah. Yes. Collectively, we've all failed each other. If things are getting this bad and we have to figure out as a team, how to get out of this and yeah. how to get, how to get back on track to being good people to each other. That's what we have to figure out in it. And if you think of it, like we're a team, 
why would you scream at the other team members? That's just not, that's not how you play games. You know, you don't scream at the other team members. They, they're idiots. You go, guys, we have to get on the same page because guess what? We're going to, we're going to blow up the planet. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, and that's, that's really what it comes down to is, is, is there is no, there really is no teams, you know, <laughs> it all, isn't. Yeah. Unfortunately we're together, we're all in this together and we all, we have to figure it out. And it's, it's, Man, we're going on such a tangent. <laughs> no, but it's it's good though. I mean, like you know, we just I just got back from Japan and we talked a lot about it. And I was telling you how much you're going to love it once you get there because it's a it's a group. It's a it's a massive congregation of humans that are have found a way to harmoniously, within reason, live together in very tight spaces. Like, and it takes like, centuries though. It takes centuries, yes, right? Yes. And yes. That's, that's and, the thing. And Japan Here, has not America. been perfect the whole time. Obviously, nope. they've had their nope. ups and downs, just like any civilization. But I think there's something about. I mean, I grew up in Hawaii. There's a weird thing that happens with like island-based humans or being stuck around water. There's this thing like, oh, dude, nature is gnarly. Like we got to be nice to one another. There's this weird thing that happens. I think when like you're away from that idea and you think that you're bigger than the world. It's like when everything starts to fall apart and you remove the empathy of others and, and it kind of deteriorates your inner soul with others. I think when, within Japan, there's this thing that throughout their, their, their history, and I'm still learning about it, which is fascinating to me, but through their history, they, they have dealt with natural disasters, you know, massive, um, you know, destruction via war, like, Tons of stuff and dealing Things again. Things that know, America has done. <laughs> totally. But I mean, if you really research that stuff and you go into history, I mean, there, there, if you start to really break down why that all happened, you're like, wow, like it's the Winston Churchill thing. You know, it's like, you yeah, guys are crazy. You're not going to stop. We're not going to go over there and just slaughter millions. We're going to stop this now. That's kind of like what had happened, you know, in a sense. And unfortunately, and I'm completely paraphrasing obviously it's it's a human thing and it's completely multifaceted and much more crazy to describe than a couple sentences we're talking about hiroshima obviously and the the atrocities (laughs) to those those people um but i mean it's it's but the japan itself is a society that's managed to um for the most part that i've experienced um as just as a foreigner through traveling is is a really interesting solid base of um, respect. I was sitting on a train, which the trains are amazing there. They're incredibly clean. They're quiet, even if they're packed to the brim. And people are cordial. And there's a there's a system of like respect. Like when the train stops, the people on the train have room to get off. And then the people that are coming on get on. Basic stuff, right? Um, you don't talk on the train necessarily. If you do, you're you know you keep it within volume range because people are sleeping or they're you know they're going about their daily commute. I'm sitting there and I'm with my family and we're on this, we're on our way to go to uh, Nara, which is this really beautiful town that has these deer that bow, <laughs> wild deer in the streets that bow for treats. I'm not joking. <laughs> okay. It's a, I'm, it's the craziest thing. Even the Japanese have even figured out how to get the deer to bow for treats <laughs> to show respect. <laughs> so in, I'm sitting on the train and then this older um, Japanese woman enters the train these three boys that are sitting there, they all stand up, they offer her wherever she wants to sit, wherever they're sitting. And then they just go back about their business. She sits down and they just do their thing without even a doubt. It's just like, Hey, 
there's the right thing to do. Yeah, exactly. But it's ingrained in them from the beginning. Like, Hey, but, but do you see that's, that's, that's where we have failed as a society. That's what I'm saying is, is, is when, when we see those things happen and, and they're not happening at home or they're, or they're not having enough at home, it's because we failed. We've, we haven't educated people on, on the things that will make things work for it's, us. It's really you know? tough though. I must say, because as a parent and, and I, I, I'll be the first one. And you ask my wife, like if I'm, let's say we're at the airport or something and I'm at the baggage claim thing and the bags are going around, I'm the first one to jump in there and help people. It's just what you do. It's kind of how I was raised. And I tried yeah. to do my best with my daughter. And I think she displays it outside of being around me. Like she shows all those good traits that I've been teaching her and like drilling into she, her. I know she does. Yeah. But, the, but around me, she doesn't at all. And it drives me crazy. So I'm just saying like, <laughs> it, it's nuts because all day long, I'm like, yes, please. No, please. May I please, you know, like, can you please give me a full sentence that like makes me feel like I matter, you know, like in reply. And she, she does, and she's getting better at it. But it's like, what I'm saying is she's been with me since she was very young, you know, and I've been trying to instill those like very core basic traits of like respect and empathy and that stuff. But I know she'll get it. And I'm hoping that later on, you know, it'll really kind of come through, but I'm just as a populace, I was just so blown away by it. And honestly, coming back to America, I do love America. There's so many things about America that I do love. There's a lot of things I don't like more than ever well, now. <laughs> well, just just like directing, there's no right way. It's true to be a human being, and and totally. So with all that, you know, all those rules comes repression, and you know things like that, and so it it, it all flexes and, and and goes into different places. It's 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 hard to know, and I think I have one one rule and it's just be decent. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Be decent. And it doesn't even have to be good. You just have to be decent. And that's like, that's be the border. You and just, try and imagine, imagine, imagine yourself. This is the hardest thing. Imagine yourself in that same situation. Just, just do it. Well, that's empathy. Just You're talking about yes, empathy. And, exactly. And, and, and as just, you mentioned, you know, you have Asperger's, which is usually very hard to tap into that empathy. But you're well, probably some more sensitive to it than most people I know. And it might be just because you're cognitive of it or something. I don't know. There's, there's, there's now research. Okay. So to anyone who doesn't know, yes, I have Asperger's. It's why sometimes I laugh at things that are inappropriate to laugh at. Um, <laughs> I do it uh, all the time. I'm just but, an ass though. <laughs> no, it's like, for me, it's like nervousness. Like, you know, we're talking about atom bombs and I'm laughing cause it's like, uh, where are we going yeah. with this? Yeah. Um, <laughs> true. Uh, and, and they're doing a lot of research right now. And to people who don't know, it means that, you know, it's, it is in the autism spectrum. And a lot of people with Asperger's display what they would say is a lack of empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't really understand it. But they're doing research now, and I, and I tend to agree with this, is that I feel an overwhelming amount of empathy, yeah. so much so that I have to turn some of it off. Mm, mm. that makes sense because if i don't so it's a coping mechanism for me if i don't turn it off i will be overwhelmed by planet earth all the time the horror the pain it hits you i know because there's times where you're just like completely floored by it and i feel so bad because i'm like god don't worry about it (laughs) you know like no no, yeah no and it's really hard you know obviously social media is really hard for someone like myself because i feel all this stuff 
really hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and I think that also translates to me, you know, being, uh, the kind of director that I think hopefully people will enjoy the stories I tell because I'm trying to tell things that are based in empathy and having characters, um, you know, people always accuse me of writing milk toast characters because I write characters who are decent people. <laughs> milk toast characters. What's yes. that? Milk toast, like bland. Oh, because I don't like to write people who are sons of bitches. Oh yeah. I mean, I like we're in the sons of bitches land right now though. I mean, well, yeah, breaking, but, but the antihero like, is the hero now. Like, yeah, but you know. see, that was always my thing is, you know, Breaking I got Bad, worried all these shows. Yeah. I get worried by heroes who are sons of bitches yeah, because, yeah. you know, a prime example for me is I grew up watching Richard Donner's Superman and man, that's who I wanted to be. I wanted mm. to be that guy. I wanted yeah. to be this guy who, who can help people and who is a decent person who goes around and, you know, he brings a smile to someone's face as opposed to, you know, I mean, modern Superman is just like bummed out and he is angry that someone messed with him at a truck stop and wraps the guy's truck around a pole. It's like, that's not Superman. That's not the person, who, you know, like that's modern Superman. He's angry at some dude for making a joke about him and he wraps the guy's truck around his sign. Like, oh, dude, like that, that's not the kind of world we want to live in. Yeah, you want a yeah. world, you know, where, where, where you're striving to be a better person. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's true though. I mean, that's, but that's what fuels you though, you know, and that might not fuel everybody, but it's true. And when you say it like that, it's so funny because oftentimes I love it when you explain things because through your view and it's like, I didn't even realize that, but it's um, like, I didn't really, I mean, honestly, the, the, the newer Superman's that they don't resonate. They have an awesome score they have some really great effects and all those things they check the boxes but then yeah it's like not until you say it like that i go that's right like that's so weird <laughs> Bro, it's broken it's broken and yeah. i think that's what we're talking about when when you when you say like it's one thing to remake something into you know like the style of spielberg but then there's another thing to go into the heart of why we loved his movies in the first place and it yeah. has nothing to do with the lens flares <laughs> nothing and, and people no, get nothing. so caught up in that and it's like caught up in the lens they flare. think that's what it is and they're like well yeah. par- part of it is that but not that's like maybe three yeah. percent of B- the equation BMXs, you know? bmx's and lens flares and <laughs> and, and hoodies and like and yeah. Hoodies. yeah that doesn't that's the fun part of the production design and the look and everything but that's not why you love this stuff it's it's that in all honesty like steven spielberg when we were growing up it, it felt like he had the heart of a child yes and, really and he still connected. does and you feel yeah. it in his work yeah 100 percent. felt it and um he you know did. there's a lot yeah. of filmmakers like that who had that that everlasting Gobstop, child? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, everlasting <laughs> child within them that, that spoke to us. Yeah. John Hughes is another example of somebody who you know made movies you know for kids at a time when it felt it felt real and it felt you know obviously when I go back to those movies they're chock full of problems yes. and they're chock full of uh, dated sort of uh, situations. But the fact is that nobody was able to connect to youth the way he did at that time and Spielberg's the same way and that's why we love it and Star Wars you know it's about the, the core ideas of these things are what connected us to it yeah you know? yeah everyone why? wants to get yeah. off, everyone <laughs> wants to get off Tatooine and do something big with their life when they're a kid and that's 
you feel. Yeah. And not everyone wants to um, travel to an island and milk a. <laughs> oh God, the new Star Wars. Yeah, no, let's go to an island, be fussy, and milk and, and pour you know, alien not, milk in our mouth. I'm not gonna bash this stuff because I you, will. It's crap. It's you can, complete you can crap. Bash. I'm, I'm not going to bash it. For me, it's, 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 I think, you know, everyone has a different vision of what the stuff is and what it means to them. But I think when you, when you focus more on the mythology and, and, and that kind of stuff, you lose the core ideals and the yeah. core ideals are what make these, these things work for, for me anyways, that's, it's like the Superman thing we just talked about is that, and when you break Superman's vision and and what it means to be superman you break superman break the core of it you know i think this is something that we have big talks about personally between us and this is something that you know i'll face uh and we both face and you're ahead of me you're constantly you know years going and i'm constantly asking or getting other advice and questions but it's something that like you know like let's say for example um you talked about photography and i'm starting to get really into it and then starting to understand it. And then I would go out and shoot. And then I would have all these conundrums that would happen, right? I go, well, hey, wait, I have the same camera as that person and this thing and have that tool. And, but then when I do it, it just, it doesn't resonate, you know? And then being honest, I think the thing is, is just being honest by the fact that like, hey, this sucks. <laughs> it's like, it needs to be better. And like, no matter what lens I have and whatever the bullshit disguise that, that it's putting on it, it's like, I think the main core issue is like being really honest with the art form and realizing that it needs to be better constantly. And, and I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a little story going into my music is that I've been doing music since I was 15, mm. like, like recording music since I was 15. I'm now 41 years old and it took so many years to be able to express myself through the instruments, the way that I, I was proud of. And it's the same with a, with a camera. It takes years to express yourself. And only when you're expressing yourself, does it resonate? That's the only time. Yeah. yeah. And, and until you can actually express yourself through those tools, there's no, there's, there's almost, there's technical things people can get into. And there's, you know, little pieces that, you know, might hit, you know, a chord with people, but fully like to really, really connect with people you have to be able to express yourself through those tools and it takes so many years. And I still, I hate everything I make as do a lot of people Sure, yeah. <laughs> do this it, because I'm still not fully expressing it the way I want to. I'm like, ah, I'm halfway there. I'm a 10th there. I'm, uh, you know, it's never there the way you want it to be. And you know, that's, that's going to be the whole life. That's, that's going to be our whole life's journey is just trying to get that expression out. Yeah. And it's, it's it's a journey worth living it's just yeah it's turmoil but i think so much of it is the further you down because like i'll get obsessed and i'll go down the the whole rabbit hole of like all these youtube guys which are really funny did not discredit them completely but most of them you like i'm like well what have you done you know <laughs> I'm sorry guys. Like I'm, I'm just being honest. So it's no, like, no, it's, it's, like, no, it's true. It, it is true. A lot of the times is that some of the people who do these, like, here's my review of this and here's what I think the best lens is. And then you're like, but wait, what the I fuck have you books? done? Yeah. And like, you look, you're like, 
what? Yeah, <laughs> let me see. And then I see their work, and I'm not trying to be a jerk, but it's like you, you got a lot to go. You got a lot to go. It's, and I'm, I'm, and I have more than well, I have more to go than them. I'm, I'm just saying, let's be real here, and like get well, off your high horse, you know? Like let's go make art. That's the other know? thing is, is, is that you know it's really hard to face facts that you suck. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. But some I people enjoy just like reviewing things, and I think that makes sense because it's like it's actually kind of an easy thing to do. You're just kind of critiquing something that you really, honestly, should not. You don't even like. It's it's. There's this weird psychological thing. I forget what it's called. Mache was telling me about it the other day, but it's like a legitimate psychological conundrum that happens inside of people's imposter, minds. Imposter syndrome. It's not imposter syndrome. There's another <laughs> like whole thing, but there's imposter syndrome too. But it's basically like people think by looking at something that they are um, educated and knowledgeable enough to give an an assessment that's worth uh, that has value basically like like let's say like I'm not a filmmaker but then I'll watch a movie and go that sucked and go why did it suck well you know they didn't have this and that and then you start making a fantasy when you don't have a clue it's like that one documentary about Stanley Kubrick that I couldn't finish watching like the room Two forty-seven, two, and they're going all into like two seven. Yeah, what is it called? Room room two three seven. Room two three seven. That's right. That's the room where the the bathtub ladies and stuff, right inside the shining. Yeah. Okay, I have such a bad memory, but anyways, <laughs> but I was I couldn't watch it anymore because I, I, being somebody that has actually kind of made films, I'm sitting there going like, you're just a fucking nerd that has never made a movie, and you're trying to like articulate a brushstroke without having an inkling of what that means. I think if you look more in depth into that, you're going to see that that documentary is more about the human mind than it is about those details. And I think it's about how people become obsessed with, with these small details and start to think, and you can make that out of anything, you know, after working on movies, you realize that, you know, all the things that they're sort of, you know, that their conspiracy theories are about were probably just, actually mistakes yes. or, or just rando things like, Oh, just put that on that shelf or do, you know, and, but those become very big things to people who are looking for them. Yeah, and totally. And, you know, actually that, that director has made a number of, he actually does the fellow who made the nightmare. That's the same director. Mm, mm, I know mm. you just recently watched the nightmare. Yes, documentary. I just <laughs> recently, and it had some moments that I was like, wow, it's interesting. Oh, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, it's because it's, it's got our I character think, in it. I think he's a very good, very good filmmaker, <laughs> yeah. Rodney Asher. Um, and he's done, he did a, a pilot for Shudder, I believe, um, called Primal Screen. That's also very good. That sort of examines uh, things that we've seen as, as children that sort of mess us up. Mm. You know, even though they're not necessarily maybe too creepy, but they, they sort of stick with you, which is a really interesting um, subject. Mm. Uh, I recommend checking out Primal Screen, and that's on Shutter. If you get a, if you have a subscription, um, sounds good. But yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's, it's the, those those. We're going back to the YouTube videos. Yeah, uh, just the just the people thinking that they're like there's this weird experts. thing. Yeah, they're just like internet experts. experts you now, know? now yeah. you know, I I try again. Yeah, this you're you're much better than I am at this stuff. I, I'm yeah, much more crass. I, in, my, so. in, in my old age, I try to just look past that and see it's it good. too. It's to, good. To, to, for what it is, which is probably a little bit of insecurity. And, and most people, most people who criticize that stuff, you know, they they're just yearning for some sort of respect, which is kind of sad. Yeah. But that's that's the reality of it. 
If you yeah. want to go, like, let's be real. That's what it is. I think the yeah, broken down a hundred percent like they enjoy it. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it's when I had a, a good debate and argument. I'm curious to see what your thought is. I'm pretty sure I know what it is, but like my whole evaluation of like crit- critics, you know, yeah. I don't to be completely crass and I'll probably eat these words as I do most. It's like, I have very little respect for critics to be completely honest because they're kind of failed artisans that don't have the balls to actually go and actually really go completely in there. Most of them, not all of them, the people that are just blanket, like barfing out their own thoughts on things, which drives me nuts because it's like, how can well, you really critique something unless you actually do it? I think it's hard to determine what a critic is in the modern age because yes, yes. everybody criticizes things and, and, the, and the world has made everyone a critic because now you can go onto any website we have a voice, and, yeah. and, and say what it is you think of something. But typical, like, like professional critics, I, I actually do respect them because what they are is they are, they are, you know, they seem, well, I think, I, I don't know how it came about. I haven't researched the the origins of the critic, but to me, I've always used critics as as a simple, you know, it's like a barometer. Uh, yeah, I was gonna yeah. say like it's like looking at the weather. Well, like Siskel know? and Ebert, I guess, would be yeah, like the well, last one that like I remember. Looking at the weather and you're going, you know, the weatherman says the movie's pretty good. Yeah, but then it like I doesn't, doesn't affect what I think. And, and here's the other thing that's great about critics is you can sort of, after a, a number of years, if you follow a critic, you can sort of know what they like and dislike. And you can sort of, again, use it as a barometer. That guy always likes movies. I hate, or that guy always likes movies. I like, yeah. and you can sort of go along with that. And I think that's how people have, it's, it's what a critic does for me is it lets me know, uh, where I can probably waste my time. <laughs> and that's yeah, that's yeah. the good thing about a critic is that if someone consistently doesn't like the same movies that I do, I'll go see those movies and then I'm like, okay, so it becomes a nice way to know whether or not I should even go in the theater and spend 2 hours. And oftentimes, you know, I don't think seeing movies is ever a waste for me because even a, a really terrible movie I can learn something from sure. and and I in fact spent my entire teenage years watching some of the worst movies of all time. <laughs> <laughs> to because the line between a great movie and a bad movie can sometimes be very 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 thin like i'll use an example of uh alien versus predator and prometheus mm. those movies share so much dna yeah in story in shots like there's so much dna they share and it's bizarre to me that, you know, like when Alien vs. Predator came out, everyone just shat on it. This is garbage. <laughs> Prometheus came out. And, you know, obviously that was a very... Div- very polar film reaction. Yeah, yeah, a very polarizing movie. Um, but, you know, those same people would never admit, you know, that those movies share so much. And the only real differences are a few story beats that wildly... They're very similar. Think, They're very similar. But they have, they have a lot of similarities. And there's really, you know... Um, that's, that's the thing with great movies and okay movies and bad movies is sometimes they are very similar and there's just a few story beats or it can be one decision. It can be one decision for a character or a prop or something that just really pulls people out. And so to watch bad movies is, is, is school as well. You're going, okay, well, 
that was the one thing. And that's what I'm saying. Like with Superman, I try to look at these things and go, what was the thing that pulled me out of, of, of that movie? And what I, I'm going to try and not do that. Sure. And, yeah. and, and that's one of the biggest reasons I was upset with, with the, the cutting that was happening to my movie. Um, was that I try my best to put as much in the film that makes it so that you don't, you don't get pulled out. And, and it's even story beats of like, I'll give you an example. Like if a character lives across the street and you have a couple of scenes with that character coming over to the house or whatever, those scenes are to establish that that character lives across the street. And they may not necessarily be the most exciting scenes or whatever, but they establish a geography and yes. a relationship. Yeah. So that later Emotional on in the film, when that person, yeah. yeah, later on when that person comes into the film, you know, you're not jarring. like, well, who the heck is this? Yeah. I've never seen them before, but this happens a lot. In movies. Like, ah, this is boring. Pace it up, pace it up, pace it up. Yeah. But you know, you know, good, you know, you go back to jaws and it's like the character, the guy's going, Oh, their kids are karate chopping my fence. That means nothing to the movie, but it means everything to the world. And so yeah. to cut that out, cause it's not, you know, we're just not moving fast enough. We don't need to hear about chief Brody and the kids karate chopping the fence. That yeah. means nothing to the movie but it means everything to the world and the characters. And because it means everything to the world and the characters, it means everything to us. And that's what people have forgotten in making movies. Mm. Yeah. It's something that it, 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 it is the, one of the biggest it's conundrums. Small potatoes. It's small potatoes in the world of, of plot. Yeah. And, but it's everything to the world and the characters. And because we care about those characters, we need to know what they're dealing with and so that's the hard part in sort of justifying these small moments now as a filmmaker is everyone's worried as you know in netflix land you've got what your first 10 minutes if you haven't hooked your viewer they might move on yeah but if the first 10 minutes of your movie is is not so interesting yeah it, and then it gets crazy interesting what a loss for people you yeah. know and that's where you know coming back to critics critics yeah it's true yeah that's, that's a why a critic is important <laughs> he told you to watch that movie and because you trust him and you trust his opinion or you don't trust him and or he her. told you it was garbage you'll be like no nah, i'm gonna watch that because i hate his opinion yeah. and that's where i think critics are important is because they they their job is to watch everything and to tell us what to watch yeah you're right i think i think my statement was made more for just like the general yeah the general general populace but you can't listen to that anyways i mean yeah, people coming from their own have, yeah it's too much noise yeah. go to, you go to, you don't go to every graphic designer you go to ash thorpe and same thing with critics you don't go to every person you go to the critic who you trust or don't trust to give you the opinion the polar that, yeah the polar yeah that's experience. that's why that's why Siskel, Siskel and Ebert were so great is because they often did have different opinions. Yes. And, so if, and they justified and they, it and made it. Yeah. Their own so things, if they yeah. both liked something, that's why two thumbs up meant so much when we were kids was because if they both liked it, that, that was, that meant that it was probably something special. Yeah. Something worth or, the, or the they time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a bit of both. Yeah, yeah. Which eventually Perfect. turned into that, I'm sure. But yeah, I mean, sure. but it's just, that's just the system and how it works. But no, totally. I think, uh, thanks for clearing that because that's, I, I, I completely align and agree with you. Um, because there is a place for it, for the right people that actually that's their yeah. profession and they're professionals at it. And they actually have like the, the, the explanations make sense and they're educated in their opinions and stuff. And their but, job yeah. is to watch movies or whatever it is that they're a critic, you know, if they're an art critic or whatever, that's what they've been doing and it's what they've devoted their life to. And while they might not have the same opinion as I do or, or, you know, 
the popular vote, it's it's a it, you can find out pretty quickly through looking through reviews and what they've written before whether or not you agree, and so it can actually become a deciding factor even if you don't agree. Yeah. So no, totally. Yeah, no, I agree. Just, that's yeah. the thing. We have a finite number of hours on this planet. And yeah, that's, you know, yeah. That's what I use critics for. You tell me <laughs> what to watch, and yeah. I'll either agree, agree with you or not. And that sort of becomes, you know, the. That's why that's, you know. That's kind of how it works for me, though. With with my friends, is I I would just go, oh, like you know, have you seen that show Fargo? And like, oh no, y'all do watch that. It's so good. Um, the word gets out eventually, you know, it's just like, it is really interesting. Yeah, it's like, you know, we're working with, uh, uh, so I'm doing some second unit directing right now. Yeah. And main unit is being shot by the fellow who shot Fargo, the television series. Ooh, delicious. Got some really yeah. b- beautiful sin in that. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about wormwood and that sin was just that that's yeah. next level oh, yeah. deliciousness, like visually yeah. delicious stuff. Ellen, Ellen Curis, she's the, she's the bomb. I need she to also did podcast. Uh, Oh, she did uh, Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, which is totally cool because it's totally jarringly different, but unique yeah. in itself. And I just, I love artists that do that. They're just like, oh, you know what I know? Yeah, fuck it. I'm going to, <laughs> it's like, let me try something completely different or a new methodology. And that's, yeah. that's when you know a master is because she, she is able to shoot something so crisp and clean and have it be elegant and perfect. And then can do something so rough, but also have it be perfect. And that's, yes. that's really, she's a master of her craft. So. Yeah, she is. She rips. Yeah. The Wormwood has some incredible cinematography and it's, and it's got some really wonderfully, um, like composed things. It's like one thing I, I do, like when I watch like those science shows and like, you could tell the production value is incredibly low because they're using like, just the renders are just horrible and stuff and nothing against them. They'd probably have no budget. Um, they- but then you're, or it then can be stock from like 10 years ago. You don't even know. It's exactly. Like it could be a stock render yeah. It's like, ago. and they use the same shot over and over to like explain like a meteor passing the sun and they showed it like four times. Like, damn, like, <laughs> but then like, but then you'll have like a, like cosmos or something where they take it to the, the next level, you know? And like, it's the same thing with the, this, the, and everything, I guess it's like how far that person's willing to take that level and respect the craft and go beyond the, the, the norm and take, take themselves to that next level. Really. I think that's, what's really interesting. And that's what I've really been seeing from watching you from the, from the sidelines is watching you go through your first film experience and then watching you go and build out come true. And with come true, let's talk a little bit about that because that was quite an endeavor. Um, and it still is obviously you're in, you're in, right in the middle of it. But like it, it's 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 a huge experience for you because it's like completely your own thing, and you've written it, you're directing it, uh, you've directed it. I mean, and you're still doing that, and now you're editing. I don't know if you can say all this stuff. I don't get you in trouble, <laughs> but you're doing such a big part of of the process of it, and it's such. I think it's well, it's a trade off. It's a trade off. Yeah, I I, I did, again. I chose this yes. not because I want to be doing everything, but yeah. because. This allows me, you know, the control that I need for my first quote film. Um, you know, obviously I have a film coming out that is technically my first, but it's not my vision. So this is my first film and it needs to be that film that people understand. Oh, if we hire Anthony, this is what we're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's important. It's, it, that's the, that, that is important for your first film to be the one that people understand who it is that you are so that they, we don't get into that situation that I was already in where 
people are thinking they're going to get one thing and they get something else. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure many other directors have had that exact same experience. Uh, that happens Fincher, to me often too with clients. Fincher yes. on Alien 3, yes. David Lynch on Dune. And again, I'm not saying I made anything close to No, no, to no, but similar today, things. Yeah. But, but it's the scenario of someone hired you thinking they were getting one thing and they got something else. Yeah. And, and, and it, and it, it's not going to end well, you know, um, everybody has a different, um, definition of good. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so if you just say, I'm going to make it good, so no. that means so many different things to so many different people. <laughs> it's true. You can't, you can't, you can't, and you, here's the other thing. This is for anybody who's getting into the film business. Don't just do the movie because you want to be doing movies. No, <laughs> like, no, like yeah. don't, don't say yes because you think you have to. If you don't connect to the material, do not do it. Oh, yeah. I've heard that advice many times by many really great directors. And I think it, it couldn't be more right. It can be more true. It can be the, like some of the best advice that you can give. And that basic because what you're going to do is you're going to bleed no matter what. Yep. So bleed for what you believe in. Bleed for yeah, what you no, love. I know you've worked, you've worked with some amazing directors and i'm sure they've had the same scenario and i know that you've worked with some amazing directors who have uh you know you can tell that the movie that you signed on to isn't the movie that even came out oh yeah yeah 100 percent. that happens almost every time and it's just kind of it's just the process of making movies at that scale i, I think watching like seeing and living vicariously and being able to talk to these directors and stuff like i would say like maybe justin kurzel for example like i I signed on with his movie Assassin's Creed after, I mean, I was going to do it regardless because it was, you know, it's a great job and I'm really thankful to have the, the ability to have these opportunities. But then I watched his uh, film Snowtown Murders and this is, that movie just fucking kicked me in the fucking gut, man. That movie hit me harder than most movies do. And I was just like, man, this director is bringing the, the heat, man. Like this is insane. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then making Assassin's Creed is just a monster. It's a huge beast, you know, it's really challenging and watching him transform through it and being able to talk with him about that and, and, and ask him questions, you know, about like, what's the process like, what did you feel? And, and do what do you think of like, you know, where you are? And, and it's like, it's so cool learning, you know, like constantly asking questions and learning. And I, I feel like more than ever, I feel like I resonate more with the path that you're taking and I will probably try to just continue this path is, is keeping it small, keeping it humble, working with friends. I don't, I don't need our, our desire. I don't wake up every morning and go, I want to be a millionaire. That's not, that never even comes to my mind. <laughs> I wake up and I wake up and go like, man, it would be really cool to like make that, that thing that I saw in my head, you know? And how cool is it that we now live in a time? You can do I'm, it. I'm always thankful for the ability to do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, exactly. I'm making sequences right now for come true. And one of them you saw yep. uh, that, you know, you know, 20 years ago, mm. they would have had to build a giant set, yeah. photograph it all. And it would have cost so much money to get that vision out that it almost probably wouldn't have even happened because to explain to someone what you need and how much it's going to cost and what you get out of it, it doesn't even make monetary sense. So now we can do this and create these visions that are would have previously been unthinkable in our house with one computer. It's bonkers. And it I is. love it. Yeah, same, same. I mean, we were just talking about that because I was making that computer the other day and I was like, I'm learning Substance Painter. And I'm like, it's 
it, every time I was talking with Maciej about it, with like learning all this technology and these programs and stuff, and they're inc- incredibly enabling, like incredibly creatively satisfying enabling, but there's, there's a learning curve that just absolutely sucks. And I equated it to like, <laughs> I equated it to like, an, like I'm in a haunted house and every door behind every door is a new program or a new update. <laughs> and I'm oh, like yeah. trying to escape and just get out of the house. But like every door I, I often, open up is I a new program. Update. I often won't even update. No, yeah, sub- I hate updates. Substance Painter has a new update right now. I'm, I'm not, like, well, don't do it. Don't. I, no, I know this version right now and I'm going to stay there yeah, until stay I'm there. done work for this and then I'll move on. Yeah. I was talking with Rollo Marx and he like, he uses like, um, after effects from like five, six years ago. And he's like, nah, that's not going to update. <laughs> I'm like, I like it cause he knows how it works. He gets expectation he gets his things done and he doesn't need anything new necessarily to like, there, there's, there's yeah, always the lure, you know? Yeah. But, all, the, all the, all the new Ram preview problems of, of Adobe after effects, like they, they change, it changes your workflow of how you animate because I mean, when you were used to the old RAM preview and stuff like that, it was like pretty instantaneous. Yeah. And it's not all anymore. that stuff changed in, yeah. I, I, I know you can go into the settings and change it back to what, to the feeling. And you know, it's just comfort. It, like I said, you want your technology to work like pencil to paper. Yeah. And all of a sudden there's some new thing hanging off your pencil. <laughs> it's like, uh, <sighs> make life better. But right now I just want the pencil and the paper. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, that's just us getting old and not wanting to change as much. But the reality is there's sometimes that you, that, it, that it, you don't need to though. That's what I'm saying is I don't think yeah. it's necessary, you know, and I think it's, it's okay not to have it like that, you know? So, but I don't know. It's, it's, um, it's really cool. And that's something that I really appreciate. And you're right. You're hundred percent right. You, cause you're also, you also draw it so you can draw what you see in your vision and then you were willing to go out and learn and explore and use 3D code and all these and, um, redshift and, and all these things and put all these sequences together and then put that in your film. I mean, it really doesn't get better than that, really. Honestly, no. uh, it's no. just, it's like, yeah, it just needs to be a little faster, a little less cumbersome, but it's, we're getting there. I think game engines are really I'll where tell, it's I'll going. You, you know, so. Honestly, I don't know if redshift is listening, <laughs> but I'm very happy with it, yeah. it, it to the point I'll of send this of, to them. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's sort of changed my relationship with GPU rendering because yeah. I just did that. Okay, that minute, it's over a minute long, that sequence I sent to you recently. So I just did a minute. Um, it's one of the sequences and come true. It rendered overnight. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank and, you. And, and you're using just three GPUs, right? Three GPUs, 1080s, yeah. and it rendered overnight and it had no errors. Thank you. Yeah, like, that's awesome. That's all. I, that's all I really want is is to be <laughs> yeah. able to see what I've done in a reasonable amount of time and have it work. Yeah, and you know that's it's it's really good. So I I wasn't paid to say this, but no, no, no. It's just yeah, when things are good, they're good. You know. Yeah. No. When yeah. things are good, they're good. And and so Redshift is one of those things where, you know, the one thing I will say because you know, most a lot of people who are doing GPU rendering now are doing it with Octane is mm-hmm. you have to go back to what I'm used to doing anyways, which is compositing. You have to go yeah, and you have to, layers you have to add your glows and you have to add all your, your effects and stuff onto layers. But that gives you a great degree of flexibility in the composite that, so, you know, while it might not be best for a speedy output of an image, it, you know, for your everydays, it, it is definitely <laughs> great for production. 
Yeah, yeah. I think it's just a different thing. Like Octane is incredibly yeah. great for making still images, and like oh, yeah. Yeah, no, when you get like, into production, it's just like, oh man, it's like there's so many issues and things that you can run into. It, not that it's not possible, and most of my quorums come from me not knowing the tool very well. I'm like, I'm thinking it's a hammer, but it's like really a screwdriver, and I'm trying to drill a nail in, you know? Yeah, and I'm like, oh. Yeah. So, and, and I'm just expecting like it to I work. Say, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to make images come yeah. out of this computer. Like <laughs> what I, I want them to be. And it's not really because I'm doing anything correctly. I mean, if any VFX artists went into our, you know, my scene files, they'd be like, you are a tool. Yeah. Same, same to me too. And, and you I, are a tool that knows nothing. What are you doing? And, but it's like the end result, if, as long as it looks right, you know, and that's, Again, you know, talking about do what makes you feel good. Do, you know, make the art that makes you happy and, and just go about it any way that you see fit as long as you're not hurting other people in the process. Yeah, I totally agree. Is that one of the big lessons that you've learned through the process of all these things? Like, I mean, the, the big lesson you learn with obviously our house and then like now shifting into come true. Is there a, what, what are some of the big things that have resonated with you um, just through the process of going through this? Like I said, it's the cheesiest stuff. It's like, just enjoy the process of doing it and, yeah. and, and, and just make things that you love and try to make things that you love and try to have a good time doing it. And, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's old man thinking no, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm in that mode now. I'm in old man thinking where it's like, you know, none of this really matters. Mm -hmm. you know? This advice, this is advice that you're giving to your old self is what I'm getting at too. Right. It's like, yeah, pretty much none of, none of this matters in, in, in as, as much that, you know, of course you, I enjoy my work and I love what I do and I do the best version I can. But at the end of the day, you know, when everyone says this, you know, we're not, we're not, I'm not saving anybody with my artwork, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're not saving the world here. Yeah, no, I'm just trying to, you know, and I'm lucky enough and anyone who does this, I mean, you can't have an attitude when you're working on this stuff because we're all lucky to be able to doing, to be doing this at all because like, look at this planet and look what's going on in this planet to be able to be paid and survive doing this work that we love. That's it. You've already made it. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. that's the goal. You made it. You're able to survive on pushing pixels around. <laughs> that's worth celebrating right there. Yeah, it's true. And that's just being humbled by it. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's the reality is we, we can never forget that we're, we're two steps away from apocalypse, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, and, and that this, this stuff that we do, you know, Sure, it brings enjoyment to people, and you know, I make movies so that I can hopefully bring a smile to somebody's face, or <laughs> or scare the crap out of them. Uh, but real the reality is that you know, this is we're we're just blessed and lucky uh, to be doing this. Yeah. Do you feel like you're at a point in your life where you're exactly where you want to be? Yeah, totally. So you're totally like you've you've you, you're finally here. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm totally, good. you know, I've been good for a while. I just didn't know it. Sure. You like you were That's expecting or wanting more. Is that what it was? Yeah. Well, you know, you know, yeah, I know how it goes. There's the teenage version of yourself that wishes <laughs> there was a book on your shelf that said the films of Anthony Scott Burns. But that's, 
shit. Um, you know, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the ego. That's not the, the what a stupid idea, yeah. you know? Um, the odd thing is when you release and let that all go, it naturally just kind of comes, you know, like <laughs> so, the moment so you let go, it's like, if I just shut up, those books will come. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's like if you, if you stop worrying and fretting about those things and you just get to work, because yeah. that's always the thing that I've always come down to. It's like, well, and that's what cracks me up about, you know, these, sorry, I interrupted you totally. No, no, no. Uh, that, that, that's what cracks me up about this, these, you know, this idea, you know, of, of likes and followers and stuff it's like my god that is the least important thing about what you're doing yeah it's make the thing that you like to do that gives you enjoyment if if what gives you if what gives you enjoyment is someone liking you or liking that art i I don't know what to say to you there's nothing wrong with wanting to be liked that's the thing right i mean it's good it's nice to be liked you know you know from from my perspective, I see it going into obsession. <laughs> you know, well, it completely is. 100%. It's, it's, too, it's too for me. It's too scary a proposition to have my happiness linked to what people think of me. Yeah, that's but it's so easy to let that happen, though. You know, it's like I know that's too scary a proposition because yeah. that that means that everybody else has the power over me to bring a smile to my face, as opposed to myself and I, have, yeah. I have to, I have to be able to bring a smile to my face and then I can spread that around to everybody else that, yeah. that that is how you know I see myself being a member of society that is is worthy is by being able to spread a smile as opposed to take it from other people it's beautiful though I mean that's really that's I think that's enlightenment really that's like a stage of enlightenment that occurs only through like I'm, I'm going through the yeah. I'm floating right now. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think there's something, there's some really good, powerful things there because it, it's funny. I think if you were to listen to our first episode, then the, <laughs> the one after that, the, so there's, I'm trying to see, let me look out like the I'm time. Not even going to. Well, Cause the I podcast has been going on for a long just, time. Just, in the first one, there's gonna be some drum and bass. I know that. <laughs> and Igor will be there. Uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Episode. Yeah. <laughs> there was, yeah, there was like drum and bass in the background. I forgot about that. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't. Dude, it's been all the way back since April 22nd, 2013. So 2000, so five years, five year span. So if you go back through that, I mean, things have changed, but things have been the same, but there's, I think the main big changes have been like those significant, just kind of breakthroughs and, and, and process of knowledge and understanding like, okay, certain things are worth holding and certain things are worth letting go, you know, yep. and only yep. through the process. Like the thing is you could sit here and watch and listen to these episodes and all that stuff. And like, sure, you can learn vicariously, but until like it's almost like when we talk about cameras and I'm, you know, asking you about tips and advice and stuff. The moment I'm sitting there with my tripod and all my things and I'm in the park shooting my thing and then the sprinklers come on and like they fucking keep, like spray my ass and my gears <laughs> and I'm having to deal with that emotion and what I do or like when things aren't working and what I deal with and my emotions like only then will I know what it is that I'm doing. And that's through the act of, of, of doing it, you know? Yes. And that's so important. And I think what you said is perfect because it's best advice you can get to anybody now, especially more than ever in social media as an artist, if not 
letting your audience dictate your happiness. You yes. have to have control over your own happiness. I would say the thing that really drives me too is I'm connected to what my close-knit friends that have great trust are great taste and or love me enough to tell me the truth and to help navigate that properly. Like, you know, the drawing I'm doing right now and your advice yeah. and tips are like, it guts me a little bit because I'm like, oh, I want you to be happy with it. But at the same time, it makes me happy because it's like, you no, know, and like what I know is that you will tell me oh. what it needs, you know, and like I'm the, I'm the same way. I'm re-rendering that first cave. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, no, Cause I was like, I'm going to get the water better. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I know, like, it's like, I, I know what it takes yes. to get people. Oh yeah. It's like, that's pretty cool. But like, I'm, you just got to make these little tweaks and, and make it better and make it better and make it better until it, it does get to that point where you, the friends that you respect, you're like, that looks right now. Yes. And what I'm saying is you have that safety net. You need to have friends around you that have great taste that you trust. And, and if you're, the, if you're fortunate to have that, that's like the most important thing. I think it's so important. Friends and family that, you can trust yeah, and they will give it to you, you know, around you saying, Oh, it's rad. That's rad. That's rad. If everything yeah, you and do sometimes things are rad, you know, and that, yeah. and things, sometimes things are continually rad and that's great. You know, then you're, you know, you're doing it right. Def definitely have people around who will tell you when it isn't rad. And yeah. And be careful of how, like, I think the thing is, it's like some people will self sabotage you or they'll sabotage you because of jealousy and stuff. So it's really hard, you know, like it's hard to navigate those things. Ah, but you can, you, you can know when someone's doing it out of jealousy, you can feel it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, we can, you know, but like, I remember as a kid, like there would be a weird thing, you know, as an artist. And then like a friend that was an artist as well would say something conniving would penetrate my head and go so dark far deep in there that it would make me question it. And not until years later did I realize, Oh, that guy was just super jealous and he was trying to sabotage me, you know? And I, and, and I knew it was weird at that time, but I couldn't articulate it, you know? So it's just one of those things, you know, it's like, but that's what I'm getting at is, is it's, it's important not to let the general populace dictate your yeah. happiness like you said I mean, and i completely but agree i would i would say that's 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 where i feel even you know more blessed that i grew up in a time when social media wasn't a yes, defining a factor of of how people sort of communicated because i know that it must be very hard to even imagine that not being worth anything yeah you know I mean? it's it's hard to imagine that 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 there is a world outside of that that matters more than that one yeah it's gnarly man <laughs> super gnarly <laughs> but it, yeah, it's it but interesting. it's just you know i you know i'm 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 so curious about the future and where that sort of heads because yeah. already people are starting to remove themselves from from you know the facebooks and I, i'm Smart. no longer on facebook and i'm i'm you know i can't remove myself i keep trying to remove myself from yeah, twitter have, but I, have, yeah. I have too many friends on there and contacts that i like to be in contact with you know like there's people on there that I like and I like talking with them. So it's like, if I shut that down, I don't have them anymore. It's like you punish so, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. That's a big conundrum. I had too. When I left Facebook, I was like, Oh, well, there's a lot of family members who won't know what I'm up to. And that kind of sucks. But, you know, <laughs> but if they really matter to you and they, they, they'll exactly. call you, you know, they'll call me. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's the thing. It's about realizing that there is a world outside of these things and all these little moments. It's just a distraction. You know, a lot of that's it just is distraction. distraction. But yep. I think that at the end of the day, you just get down to work, you do work and you enjoy your life with people you love and you spend that time. And the more time you get with that, the, the happier you are. Really, that's how it comes down to me, at least. 
um, the more you're able to do that and, and continue that. My, I have friends mocking me, call me like the Groundhog Day, you know, it's like, but I, I, I honestly, I know it sounds dumb, but it, I'm to the point I've been working so hard for such a long time. I'm tired. <laughs> I wouldn't mind some Groundhog Day action no, of like goodness, no. you know, <laughs> like repetitive no, I'm, goodness, I'm, please. I'm in, I'm, in the, I'm in the same place where, yeah. where I am tired too. Yeah. And it's because, you know, like I've been working on this movie now for over a year straight. Yeah. Now. How do you and, keep your, cl- your clarity with all that? Do you take breaks? I mean, what's a normal day for you like? Well, and this is the other thing. Don't feel guilty about your method. That's a good one for artists. Yeah, don't, yeah. Don't you have a feel- totally different method that trips me out too. Because you take breaks <laughs> and walks and I'm like, man, we need to just keep going. You're like, no, let's yeah. take a walk. I'm like, <laughs> And, you know, my, my, my lovely wife, Stacy, taught me that is that, it, you know, it does, just grinding sometimes doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You've got to take time out and go for a walk and see life and, and exist because you'll go out for two hours, but then you'll get so much done when you get back because you had some time to breathe. But yeah. you know, I, I typically don't even start work until like 1 PM, which really trips people up. So <laughs> no, like, like yeah. people who work with me, but you work you know, really late though. So exactly. Yeah. They don't understand that I'm then going to be up until 7 AM working. Yeah. It's, I, I get my mental power late at night. And yeah, I know there's same. a lot of creatives like that. There's a lot of creatives like that who get their men, their best dreamy ideas. They come to them at like midnight. Sleep deprivation and, and quietness, I think is too. Yeah, yeah, it's quietness too. It's it's that the, the world becomes very still and you can just sit there and that's the grinding time. But during the day too, I also feel like it's a sunny, beautiful day. I feel like a jerk being inside sitting at a computer. Like I just, <laughs> what a waste of A jerk day. to yourself, yeah. No, but yeah. in life, what a waste of day, like beautiful day. I'm going to go out and I'm a weirdo. My wife and I, we go out like feed squirrels and stuff. Like I, I it's like my only, uh, uh, it's <laughs> a complete contrast for you though. You know, it's like feeding squirrels in a park is totally different than clicking buttons and moving sounds around and pulling yes. emotions, you know, which I think and, is like you said, you trust in your process and, and, and have faith in it. I think that's such I mean, it's so funny because the things that you, you're saying are so like can be I'm trying to emphasize them because they, they can go by quickly to a casual listen. That that advice is huge. And I and I completely back that up because the moments that I've done that with in my career with client work and just tell like the client like, OK, they'll, they'll say, here's hey, Ash, here's the task. And I'll say, OK, that's a big task. And, I, and OK, can we get an update tomorrow? I'll say no. We get update next week. No, no. And then, and then I push it hard and I say, you give me two weeks, give me the money and I will come back with gold. You just got to leave me alone. Yeah. Just don't, I don't want to be stuck on calls. I don't want to hear your opinion about certain things. I just want to go and do it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And oftentimes more than ever, it's like a home run. Sometimes there's a failure there and I, and then I, I feel horrible and then I, I freaking scramble and I work like two weeks worth of work in a, in a day, you know, I just kill myself and not sleep. But there's a weird thing that like when you, when you sit there and you go like, look, you've hired me because there's something that resonates with me that you can't get yourself and you got to trust me and you got to trust yourself and we got to have a trust thing here. Well, it's just like, you know, if you look at the education system, I talk about the, this all the time, is that they're just like directing and everything else in this world. There is no 
way that works for everybody. Um, and so everybody's method is valid. And, you know, people, people are made to feel guilty sometimes like, Oh, you know, like, well, you can't get on a call every day at noon. It's like, no, I don't want to get on a call. You're breaking up my concentration. And if you want the stuff that comes from me, what that requires is for me to work 10 hours straight, starting from here to here. And that means not being interrupted, et cetera, et cetera. Some people can do that. Some people thrive in a, in a, you know, like we're, you know, totally open office, open concept office. They thrive in that. Other people like myself can't stand it. It's like too much stimulation. I'm going crazy. Yeah. It's (laughs) like I, I, in those scenarios, it's a waste of my day to even be, be there. And in fact, it used to burn me out because I worked in an open concept office and I would stay after to do my work because I couldn't <laughs> work during the day. Yeah. Cause you're being social or, you know, cause you enjoy the people around you most of the time and you're just wanting to have fun and be, but then you don't get the work done. It's yes, weird. It's, I'll, it's, I'll go to places and I'll be like, wow, how does work even get done? No wonder these things cost so much. Cause like you guys are just dicking around. I don't blame it. It's like, it's just weird. You know? No, when you, yeah. When you put 20 people in a room together and they're all excited about the work, sometimes, you know, you just barrel down and you do it, but it's the stimulation that brings me out of it. And a lot of people feel guilty about that and go, ah, I must not be a good worker or, you know, no, it's like everyone has their own method of doing things. And that's how, you know, people think they're stupid in school. And then, you know, you find out, no, this guy's a genius. He just, he sucked at being in the middle of a classroom or whatever, or she, she likes to do this. And, 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 and it's, 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 it's so weird to me to think that, you know, we have these, these rules where it's like, this is the way that it is for everybody. Yeah. And it's that, not, that doesn't work, you know? It's not true. Yeah, totally. And I think there's a lot of it, this. It's, it, it was really hard for me to learn that one for, for, for a long time to let that happen, to be like, okay, I, I gotta be okay with struggle with that. Because totally. I Cause you're, you're, because yeah, you feel guilty because in your, you're charging, money and you're and you're yes. dictating and you got to be you, the thing is the difference though is and and it's i think almost every time i've trusted you to just do your thing you deliver beyond almost every time like it's like it's like i i go i just and that's how we work together now and it's like if i if we ever agree to do something and you're like oh, i want to do that thing i'm like anthony just you just do your thing and get back to me whenever. And I, I try to be as the flex, the most flexible I can with my patience and time with you. Cause I know that's where like the best work comes from. And uh, you might get it to me like right at the last second, but I'm like, nah, it's, it's gold. <laughs> <laughs> but then sometimes you get it to me super early, but I'm like, ah, it's, it's like, it's, it's wherever it comes. Solid. And that's, yeah, that's the reality is wherever it comes. And, and sometimes it's, the last night sometimes it's the first time i hear about it yes and i think you know what when in doing sound design and stuff like that it's it, it's a process and that's the thing that people understand is, is that in all this stuff it, it's a process that requires what it requires and you can't really determine and that's really weird and yeah. that's why it's hard when it becomes a business because you can't run a business on it comes when it comes. No, totally. It does. <laughs> that's, that's the hard part. And that's why you have to have, you have to figure out your method and you have to go, you know, usually it takes me about two weeks to do that. Yeah. And if you just leave me alone for two weeks after that time, I'll have a genius thing for you. Yeah. That's <laughs> figure, figuring out your, 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 your needs. And obviously, you know, you can't be a prima donna and, and messing with people. No. Uh, but you do need to be okay with how you work. And if your method is you need to walk me, I need to walk and I need to get 
think of things while I'm walking, which is, by the way, a proven thing now scientifically. Yes. They think better it's, when they you go walk. back to like they look at uh, so many different prolific minds from the past. Like they would walk a ton. Yeah. It's just part of the process. I remember listening to an interview with Tom Ford and Tom would say that he takes a lot of baths. I took a bath the other day and I was like, Hey, it's kind of awesome. Oh, I'm addicted to baths now. Yeah, I'm yeah. Not, it's awesome. There's something that no. happens there. Showers, yeah, there baths, walks. Yeah, no, I take at least two showers a day and or a bath. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Water guy. <laughs> That's Water awesome. Guy. You get your no. little rubber duckies and you're sitting there thinking about horror. It's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I, that's what I was doing. I, I, I came back from jujitsu. I was really tired and sore and I took a shower. And then in Japan, it's kind of how it works is you take a shower, you rinse off and then you take a bath and they're connected. Like the, See, I do the, I do the reverse. Oh, don't do that. Bath. That's gross. Sure. You just take, you got to rinse off first, bro. <laughs> that's, <laughs> no, no, you got to sit in your juice. No, that's disgusting. <laughs> no, you wash first, you dummy. <laughs> Try it the other way and just, be thankful that I told you. It's the way that Japanese have been doing it for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> you sit in your juices. So like gnarly. That. Just your butt like juices all in there. <laughs> Ew, gross. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that we're Great. talking about bathtub butt juices in the podcast. I, I wasn't. You were. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I said we. So yeah. you're part of yeah. this conversation. No, now. <laughs> I was not talking about butt juices. I don't want to get, I don't want to get fired from Disney. Um, <laughs> oh man, too soon. They talking about the Guardian guy. That's ugh, that's disgusting. I these people were telling me about this, and I was like, "What is it? His account got hacked, right? This is a joke, right?" And apparently, it was really him. That's just so disgusting, and it's stupid. Like, I I have not seen any of the tweets, so I can't speak to it. Oh yeah, okay. Well, I, we'll I, we'll talk about it then. It's just, yeah, so, yeah. I haven't seen. I just know that that that. Uh, some people are saying that, you know, they're just jokes and, you know, whatever. No, I seen those them. aren't jokes. You don't joke about kids. It's just like, <laughs> it's like off limits. You don't say that kind of stuff about kids. <laughs> it's like, it's a common law, like in humanity. Yeah, no, it is off limits. And it's, it's, it's like, and you never talk about that. It's just like, that's because it's not funny. <laughs> well, now I did hear this and I don't know if this is true because again, I, I'm super uninformed, but apparently he is a survivor of sexual abuse. And mm, so it well, makes sense. Like, maybe some bizarre sort of coping mechanism. My thing is this, is that, you know, if somebody publicly comes out before being called out and says, you know, I, I used to make really off color jokes and I'm really sorry about it, which apparently he did do this mm. years ago, like oh, in okay. 2012 mm. and said, you know, that was the old me. I'm, you know, like, listen, I'm really sorry about all this. And I don't know any of this stuff, but the reality is, is I, I, I will say this about people is that one of the greatest things we can do as people in general is forgive people, even people who are monsters. Mm. And, and that is something that we need to learn how to do is you need to learn how to forgive. Fuck that. Way. I'm just joking. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> no, no, we do. That's a tough one. That's probably one of the hardest lessons. It is. Yeah. It, is it is. It's really hard. And it's something that takes many years to even be able to do it. Yeah. You know? Like it's true to, to actually, really forgive people for doing terrible things. Yeah. And if we just, you know, destroy people whenever they're bad, it doesn't, it doesn't end well. It doesn't end well. 
Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's, and I think that's one thing that about films and, and the medium of film when it's done right, it can actually be a very transformative experience exposing those things. And we talk a lot about films. Like, I mean, we talk about our kid films, um, Steven Spielberg, but we, you know, let's talk about like Michael Mann and the influence Michael Mann has had on our adult lives, you know, and giving yeah. us that perspective and looking at yeah. movies like, uh, Manhunter or Heat, for example, you know. Yeah, should we, should we, should, you know, like you feel just as bad for both sides. Know, Robert, yeah, yeah, and that's for, amazing. That's yeah, like, and that's why we need we need those things, and, and we feel just as bad for both sides in Blade Runner. That's why that movie is has survived. That's why that movie, all the art direction aside, that's why that movie has survived because it is a, it's a beautifully emotional film that's why it survives everything else on top of it is like super gravy but if that movie didn't have that last sequence with Rutger Hauer it, it, it wouldn't have the power that it does yeah that uh, that combination of that sequence uh with the music by Vangelis is like it's untouchable because it wraps the whole film up in a package much like the ending of Heat does you know that where where you you finally understand what it is to be empathetic yeah. To, yeah to somebody's cause at that moment Rutger Hauer is no longer the villain of the movie in fact you know you feel like wait I wait, think we hold on here yeah we've yeah, been watching here. the wrong guy here <laughs> you've been watching the wrong guy here exactly yeah, and it's yeah. and it's it's you know that's that idea is so important to us as humans to evolve yeah you know? I agree that's, I that's why that movie lasts the test of time yeah yeah yeah, it's true. And I think that's why these things really do matter and, and they're important to make. And I think that's really when you're making um, something and, and you're totally right. And I think, we, you know, I was we had that talk and I was like, dude, I'm making this thing, but it, it sucks. It doesn't have any of the things that I constantly want in my content that I watch and observe, you know. But at that's the same th- time, I was saying to you, like, you know, these are lessons you have to do in order to even just build cinema. Like, so yes. to make to make things that don't are, are units of, of learning. I was saying I used to do just chase sequences. That's not, that's not emotional and it's not something, but when you practice chase sequences, you start to learn about cinema and how to use camera angles and things like that. And all those things are stepping stones to the final thing, but you you still have to do them and they don't necessarily yield any response. So maybe, you know, like sometimes it's okay to do something that doesn't it's, it's, it's whether or not, I never release anything that doesn't express what I'm, what I'm, what I want to express. And that's what you're talking about. It's like not releasing something that doesn't. So that's an exercise versus the thing that has the expression. Yeah, totally. And I, and I pre, and I, I, uh, I think it takes me back to like, you know, really appreciating and seeing like, you know, the younger generation that are coming up and they're able to show and do these things. I mean, at my stage, I can't, like when I would watch like a YouTube video and some of these guys make beautiful visuals, you know, way better than I can. But then I look and I'm like, damn, like I can't, I have to get as good as them or better instantly, you know, because I have no excuses. Which, is, which by the way is bonkers. An unfair, that's an unfair expectation. Yes. That and that's why I'm always frustrated. <laughs> no. And, and that, that's you know, the thing talking about being a, uh, embarrassed of your method. And setting up unfair expectations because it's like 
you're comparing. That's the thing about social media as well is if you're comparing yourself to other artists all the time, yeah, that's an unfair comparison as well. You're you and, and they're them and they do different things and you do different things. And you know how long it takes to figure out that you don't have to be as good as somebody else because thing, you know, my wife, Stacy, again, you know, she's, she keeps me grounded very well. She said to me, uh, do you think John Carpenter is as good a filmmaker as David Fincher? And I was like, mm. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> that's like, a good one. Hard, yeah. hard question. And she's, she's, and I said, well, technically Fincher's better. Uh, you know, you know, on all technical levels, uh, in terms of cinematography and how the camera's placed and when it's placed and how it's used. And, and, you know, in terms of score and all that stuff, it's much more refined and it's much more, and the visual effects are much more super sharp. So so technically David Fincher is a better by, you know, technical and critical standards, Mm. you know, even critically he's gotten better reviews, et cetera. So if you were to put them head to head and she said to me, um, Okay, so technically, David Fincher is a better filmmaker than John Carpenter. Would you want John Carpenter to not exist? Oh. And I said, absolutely not. You know, like, of course not. He's like one of my, he's one of the biggest influences on me. She said, well, okay, so if technically David Fincher is better and you don't want David, uh, John Carpenter to go away, then why do you think that you don't deserve to be a filmmaker? You know, like, mm. because, uh, you know, that's because I used to do the comparative thing of like, yeah. wow, I'm not even, I'm nowhere close to these guys, you know, I'm, I'm worthless. And she said, well, someone might love your films and the same way that you love John Carpenter's, even though they're not to your standards, you know, hitting the Fincher stuff or whatever it is that you're comparing yourself to doesn't mean that you don't deserve to tell stories. And that's great, you know, advice to everyone who's doing this is that, mm. Just because you're not meeting those those benchmarks yourself, it 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 doesn't mean that you, that someone won't really really enjoy what you have to say. Yeah, and, and that's that's key. You know, like okay, well then all bets are off. Let's all put this stuff out and do do the work we love to do because that means that someone might connect to it and really really love what you have to do, even though you're killing yourself and wanting to, you know. <laughs> sure. Totally. Think, you think you're you're worthless. You yeah. never know how that's going to be interpreted in the world, and it's very and true. I, I think I don't know. I mean, that's a it's a good it's a it's really great because and that's such sound advice from Stacy. But it's like I think also it's like really important. I don't know. Like I think maybe it's part of the metamorphosis. You know, like when a you know the merm to the butterfly thing. It's like there's this. I think there's a, you know, I often did it. You know, with the drawing, the Lost Boy stuff, constantly drawing, and I would look at these like these lords of art, you know, I'd call them like Frazetta and Mignola and, and, and and McFarlane, all these guys, um, um, Otomo, all these big influences on me. And I would always look at their work and I'm a huge fan. I have all their books and I would go through them obsessively and I'd know all their pieces, but then I would look at my art and go like, man, it's just like, it's not good. It's not as good as them. And then I realized that the more I let go of that and was like, well, I'm just going to do my own thing. And as long as I'm happy, like if it's stimulating my happiness, then it's yes. okay. And the moment I started really doing that, it really, the style came out like a, like, cause I remember when I first started drawing, I was looking at Jeff Darrow's work really closely, you know, I was like, ah, oh, cool. And I was cloning him basically. I was trying to draw like him. 
Yeah, you can see because his detail level is great. But imagine if Mignola was like, ah, my detail sucks. Yeah, yeah. And it, would, then, it, would ruin, it would ruin his style. Yes, it would ruin his style. He, he, he's, he's an over, oversimplifier, whereas Jeff Darrow is an overcomplicator. You know, like he just, those two, and I love it at Comic-Con, they always sit right next to each other, which is great because it couldn't be more separated by styles, which is so cool. Um, well, but I, you, exactly. Yeah. Would you want one of them to go away? Never in a million years. No, exactly. So yeah. if, if he had doubted himself to the point where he didn't put himself out there, we would be missing that entire uh, experience. Yeah. Experience, yeah. and that's where you just have to do it and just go with it and and be confident in the fact that you're enjoying what you're doing. And if people think it sucks, and I'm sure there are people who say, "I hate his art style. It's so simple." It's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, you go like what you like. Yeah, because and the cool thing is there's an abundance of it, you know. I think what yep. the thing that's really distracting is there will be people, and you've seen it too, and I vent to you where like there's people who like will just talk shit and they'll say something that's really kind of incredibly rude or um, unnerving, you know, like critiques that are like unwarranted and somewhat personal. And you're like, what the hell? Cause you put yourself out there, you know, and it's just like, man, dealing with that is, 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 is it's, a, it's a challenge in and of itself, you know? So, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, a, it's part of the life, you know, it's part of the journey. Too, you, if so. you, if, to the people listening, if you ever want to, you know, come across and good sort of character who, who gives, I, I love characters like this, who, who, when I was younger, who sort of taught me the power of just not giving a crap what other people think, uh, watch Alex Cox's repo man. Mm, yeah 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 that's, like, that movie is that like that. zero fucks given it's like yeah no and that's that 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 it's empowering that movie is 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 zero fucks given the empowering tool you know <laughs> and and, yeah. and i love it for that because it taught me that you don't really you don't need to be part of the mainstream and you don't need to be a part of anything that's if i miss not, about punk rock music man yeah if, if you're not feeling good about a scenario just, just go do your own thing doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. I totally agree. Man, this is a great way to wrap up the podcast, man. This is another amazing one. I usually try to stay away from doing three-hour ones. Sorry. <laughs> They're so easy to do with you because we you just know, go on tangents. The whole, time, you know? the whole time, because I'm neurotic, I was thinking, this is so egotistical. This is so egotistical. Self-talking <laughs> ourselves. It's like, I hope someone gets something good out of this. Yeah, of course it's egotistical. I mean, it's, that's what it is. We're talking about ourselves and our outside shell. Like, but but we're trying to be real here. I mean, you can't avoid it, right? The ego exists. You must acknowledge that exists. I think it's what you do with that is what matters, you know? And yeah, that's why I'm saying, I hope somebody gets some good advice out of this. I hope so. I really do. I think, I hope that this gives you the listener out there as much, resolve as it gives me i've learned so much just by having this conversation and it's just like things that i know that i need to be reminded of constantly because of my insecurities or whatever it might be um and i think we all are there's moments yeah we're all insecure we're all insecure yeah like somewhere along the line we were taught that you know if you show that insecurity you're a wuss no that's that's garbage (laughs) that's That's total garbage garbage. Yeah. You need to show it, but you you don't let it drive you all the time. But you need to show it. Yeah. But, no. No. Exactly. It, it, but it is, and 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 it's of itself. It isn't. There's ego existing throughout this conversation, but it's. I think it's fine because it's part of the experience. So I wouldn't. Hopefully, you don't let it, you get to your head too much. But and thank you so much. Like I really appreciate it. Like you know, I know you got other things to do, but I, I think it's also good because I'm hoping that it's going to give you 
you know, like if you guys go out and see Anthony's film, you know, like now you understand some of the process behind it and make sure that you go out and see come true. Cause that's, you know, that's going to be his film, you know, really his film. Say check uh, them both out and, yeah. and you know, temper expectations. Because like I said, it isn't, it isn't 100% my vision. It isn't even 50% my vision, yeah. but everything in there was shot by me. It's just been, it's been, it's been re retooled. Let's yeah. put, let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, it's um, more you basically. You, 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 wait, come true is, is, is 100% me. Yeah. Whereas this, this, this film that's coming out has got lots of elements. And so there's lots of good in it. It's just, it's missing, um, the, the heart that started it. <laughs> yeah. And that's, it is what it is, you know? So, but yeah, go watch them both. You know, I know, um, I know you, I don't, think you have a date slated for come true i know you're pushing yourself hard to get it to where it needs to be but it's due when it's due it's the process you know so and it's like that is it is what it is so yeah man um thank you again man thank you so much and yes i love i love as you know we we chat a lot and it always goes long (laughs) yes and it's it's a this is a five-year process so if you are just now like subscribing and listening to these episodes do yourself a favor and go backwards and just, you know, I say a lot of stupid shit. Please don't. I'm sure we both say (laughs) way more me. I'm sure because I'm just, I'm super dumb. But like, yeah, but it's, it's interesting. The, the time capsule is here. So five years. So yeah. uh, Yeah. Wonderful. First one. (laughs) Thank thank you for your amazingly uh, wise words. Yoda. Yoda Burns. Oh, thank you for your friendship. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) super creepy let's get creepy at the end now thank you thank you so much buddy appreciate it all right there we go this is a bit of a longer episode this week i hope you all enjoyed it it's uh it's one of those really special episodes and anytime anthony and i get together and we start talking about what we love it just kind of carries on so i'm hoping that you know you took something great away from this and it's going to help you on your journey and also you just got inspired to go out and create and do your own thing and hopefully some of these lessons hit you as, as hard as they did for me. So another big thank you to Anthony for coming on the show and sharing his time with us this week. Remember, you can always find links to the show notes for this week's episode or any of the week's episodes at thecollectivepodcast.com. And this is going to be episode 184. You can also find links on our Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes podcast page. All right, everybody, have an amazing day. Go out there, be powerful, be prolific. Peace out, everyone.